Zionism is racism. Israel cannot be both. Israel is either a racist Jewish state or it's a democratic state for everybody. And that's what I would like Israel to be. I'd like a democratic solution, one state with equal rights for um, uh, all its inhabitants. Uh, your organization, Human Rights Watch, issued a report last year uh, about Israel, mm -hmm. and the conclusion was it is an apartheid state. And, and there are four major human rights groups in the last two years mm -hmm. who issued similar reports reached the same conclusion. Israel mm -hmm. is an apartheid state. So apartheid is racism. Apartheid is discrimination. But Israel is the only member of the United Nations that I know which is officially racist. And I say this because of the uh, July 2018 nation state law, which says mm. the Jews have a unique, unique right to self-determination mm -hmm. in Israel. Unique means exclusive. Yes. It means Arabs have no right to self-determination. Mm -hmm. It means even if Arabs became a majority, mm -hmm. they would still have no right to self-determination. Mm. So but most certainly Zionism is a, um, is a racist ideology mm -hmm. and it is largely responsible for the Anakba that has unfolded throughout the last century mm -hmm. and continues today. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I think it's an important moment in this evolu the evolution of from October 7th forward, where I feel, I I've already been mentioning that I feel that Israel is not, it's, people aren't buying a lot of the stuff that's being put forward. And that's not necessarily in there's in regard to the people in regard to the narratives that are being put out that have already been shown to be false since, for example, the 40 beheaded babies argument or the stuff we're going to get into today in particular. But the idea in many different ways, people have not been going along with it the way you'd expect. Like we, we mentioned Spain speaking up and different U.S. allies kind of taking not an extremist on the other side argument, but simply going, what about civilians on both sides and being labeled an extremist for making the most balanced argument you could possibly make? Well, today I feel that we see the first indication that Israel has officially lost control of this narrative. I was even going to title the article or the show today that, but I decided that the main focal points are more important, one of which is this laughable attempt to pull in the chemical and I even argue the biological aspect that goes along with the with unspoken, but goes along with the idea of the, you know, try the conversation of nuclear chemical biological weapons, but argument, the argument that they found chemical weapons instructions on, on one of these people it, it is possible, but just logically is laughable. 
and, and it goes along with, as somebody points out, like the, the magical passport that was found completely unscathed in a building that meant to, that melted steel, 9-11 conversation, or many different times that's also been discussed in the Orlando shooter, I think. They were like, look at this passport and this perfect document that we found right next to each other. It just doesn't seem to, it's a historical attempt. We've seen the intelligence communities use to manipulate people. And it doesn't have to even mean the, the story can, that is necessarily entirely false in different historical discussions. It could just mean that it's something that they need to to go forward. So it's something that's planted. We know that police and authority, do, it's, some, it's not hard to wrap your mind around that people in authority can break the law. Oops, excuse me. Still getting used to my new placement here. But it's something that has been shown to be not, not in in real time being shown to be false. The images that are being used, the fact that it's written in English, we'll go over to today, today, but it's just, it's something that's now being used to push this forward even more. We now have the hostages being released from Hamas that are seeming to challenge the narrative they've spun. And we're going to go over what that means, what it shows, and even the attempts to sort of challenge what's being stated or almost argue that they shouldn't have said that they were being treated okay, because that somehow undermines what's happening to other people's almost suggestion they should have lied because of their truth as we always talk about lying for your truth but in general we can see a larger narrative in the united nations for example in other countries even the united states beginning to sort of walk back their arguments after 17 days 16 17 days the u.s standing up and saying we urge you to operate with an international law after 16 days of indiscriminate bombing and thousands of children deaths, a little bit too late for that. I think it's because they're beginning to see the writing on the wall, that it's not working, that the UN and every human rights group in the world and anybody with a brain and common sense and a heart and morals and integrity can see that what's happening in Gaza is absolutely unprecedented, unjustified, criminal for lack of many different, you know, in regard to the actual sinister nature of it, that it's not to undermine what happened in Israel, especially as we get more information to prove all the different high-level massacre, rape, and all the different claims they're making, which I simply maintain we just haven't been able to verify. It doesn't undermine one or the other. They're separate situations in the context of Israel killing people in Gaza and Hamas killing people in Israel. It's almost, it's, it's, it's almost seemingly designed that way where, like, the scarecrow where why aren't you attacking Hamas and why are they, you know, it's, it's this interesting dynamic of misinformation. And we have to for, not forget that Hamas was created by the Israel, as we'll go over yet again today, the U.S. involved in that. And so at the very least, if they're saying that this is the fault of Hamas, well, then doesn't that make you culpable or at the very least some level of accountability? No, we don't even want to talk about that. But I think it's important for those that are worried about the possible World, World War Three implications that as far as today that I can see, it feels like what I was predicting is most likely where we are now. That doesn't mean it couldn't get worse tomorrow with the action from some random person or that the U.S. decides to just clumsily get involved on the ground more so than they already are, I should say. But I think that we've already seen now that Israel is saying we're going to kind of pause and hold off on the ground incursion, which is no reason it should have taken six days to figure that out. It was all about bluster in my mind to make sure that you were going to do it or was about to do it in hopes that something ultimately changes. But now they're saying, OK, we're going to wait. And we're going to talk about hostages which all of this seems to kind of contradict other claims. We're going to go through all this today and as well as a lot of the other newer information and, and challenging some other narratives like the church that was bombed that people are still arguing was a fake story, even though we can prove it. Justin Amash, for example, has family that was killed there. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I always want to point out to people that this is revealing what people truly are, not the side they take or the what they don't understand, but the fact that people, whatever their perspective or side are seemingly 
are vividly revealing that they don't care about civilians if they're on a certain side of a paradigm, if they have a certain color, if they're from a certain place, or if the government simply tells you that they're bad guy. And that shows you who they really are in the core. And I think that's important to remember. But I want to start today with a article that Derek put up today, which is important. And I've got a, a few other articles that I have had in the wings that aren't time sensitive that I just haven't had time to get to. And that's why I thank God Carrie is going to be joining the team and takes the editing side of this for the most part off of my shoulders, which will free up a lot more time for me. Five ways your health is under attack and how to protect yourself. A really important article. And it's kind of one of these breakdowns of you know, it, there's not just five things, but he goes over what he thinks are the most important, specific water fluoridation, toxic chemicals, which include fluoride as well, but endocrine disrupting chemicals like glyphosate and, you know, any number of things, benzene and dioxins and the different stuff that we've talked about, the lead and the water. He's been talking about this for a long time. And each category has a what can you do about it part, which is not the kind of stuff you get from corporate media. G he talks about GMOs and, and the GM genetically modified concept, which is also in regard to injections, guys. That's the whole, I, I might talk about that in a future show. Orwell sent me something very interesting in regard to genetically modified organisms and how the laws are now going, wait a minute, we have to change these laws because it's blocking us from making more genetically modified vaccines. That's <laughs> interesting how the time flows. We all decide GMOs, GMOs are bad, but now because it overlaps with vaccines, we're going, wait a minute, let's reevaluate. Maybe the benefits outweigh the risks. Always, always where it goes. Talk about Bluetooth, EMF, or EMR in this case, electromagnetic radiation, and how obviously we know this is destroying human bodies and they just keep going forward. And fear porn, self-doubt, social media in general, and what it's doing to you, deliberately in my opinion. It's an outstanding article. I just think it's important to understand what we can do to fight back in your own personal ways in your life. Now, I'm going to start today with a clip Solomon Ahmed point out. And I'm really my first opening segment today is sort of about just the, the ongoing, which you, my audience doesn't need to be reinformed about this, about the, the ongoing plight of the Palestinian people for 75 plus years. But it's important to understand for some of the things we get into today, what the life has been like for the average person, which again, is sort of what's now only finally being put forward in the UN and the US and the UK going, but what about the Palestinians? Yeah, way to catch up guys, but it's not because they care. It's because they are now losing control and people see that they're on the side of the people that are murdering people for no reason. And I mean, Palestinians, not Hamas, that they're now going, OK, well, I guess we should start acting like we care about that side. Otherwise, we're going to get. Yep, that's what seems to happen. You don't wait 16 days to go. What about international law? Remember. Matt Lee, uh, uh, Saeed Arakat, Max Blumenthal and Sam Husseini on that important clip where they were at the State Department, where they challenged Matt of the State Department, I forget his last name at the, at the top of my head, Mr. Automaton that looks like a Ken doll in a bad way, <laughs> or, you know, whatever, looks like a fake person. I don't, like, not to suggest he looks like some kind of norm, you know, like, that. they typically argue that those things are made after some kind of, like, anatomically, perfectly, you know, human being idea. Not to give him a compliment is my point. <laughs> the guy looks like he's made out of plastic is what I'm trying to say. Either way, the point is, when they put it to him about international law, he just pushed back and said, well, we told him to. Next question. <laughs> like, what a meek, cowardly response. And now the point is, it's all coming back around to go, well, now you're urging them to go in, to operate under international law. Clearly, now you either realize they never were or you see that they aren't. The point is, we can prove they're breaking the law and nobody seems to care. I just think that's important. 
So in this first clip, we're going to see that Palestinians have been living under this situation long before this ever started, and they know it too, and they're now saying it out loud. It's not just a new topic. This is from, uh, from AJ+. Plus. I forget what that stands for again, but the video is just a quick clip showing you talking to an Israeli soldier about what he's upset about in his life and what they've done to Palestinians. Haunts you and your conscience about what you did in your time as a soldier? For me, it's the routine way we control the Palestinians, right? A Palestinian can wake up in the morning and not know if he will be at work on time, go to sleep, not know if soldiers will invade his home. We basically control the most simple and basic elements of life. It's designed to break down the population of Palestinians and show them who's in charge and yeah, humiliate them on a daily basis. Exactly. How, how can we make 2.5 million Palestinians in the West Bank to feel that they cannot lift their head up? We will make them uh, understand that we control their lives. Right. Now, that's just a very small clip of a very large story that gets ignored on a regular basis. And it's the same way. I mean, talk about the Yemeni people, the Syrian people, the Bolivian people, the Venezuelan people. I mean, guys, these are all populations that have been manipulated by foreign policy of the West. And they always, they, and they always just float the allegations that whatever person they don't like is somehow this evil bad guy. And it, I, I, you know my opinion. I don't think any of these governments are completely clean of crime because that's what I think governments are. But at the end of the day, you can prove that at the very least some of these criminal governments will prioritize higher the interest of their people than we see most of the high-minded humanitarian law Western powers that literally the, the, the very last thing they seem to consider is your needs and your protection, despite the fact that that's what they scream on a regular basis. All I'm saying is you can look at things like Libya, for example, before it was overthrown all the years, all those years ago, that it had the highest quality of life of any country in Africa. Free education, free health care. I mean, and this is a verifiable fact. It was very difficult to get people to recognize that right after it happened. But now you can look back and it's a verifiable fact. It always was. And now whether it was the gold back dinar or the pulling away from, I mean, any number of examples we could cover, I think it's multifaceted. They overthrew it because it was about control. And then it went to an open slave market. And then we all pretended like that was freedom and looked away. Right. We're over invading to to bring freedom to Libya. And then we don't do that. And there's an open slave market and it's still never regained its footing and a bunch of warlords fighting for territory. But we just go success. John Bolton says it's success. Right. Iraq was a resounding success. These people are maniacs. My point is that this is something that has been ongoing for these people. And they're just a one example of a larger foreign policy game. So it, bringing it down to the Palestinian Israeli discussion the whole point they're making there is that it's about a long-term demoralization, dehumanizing campaign to make these people feel like they don't have choice, which they don't in many cases, especially in Gaza, that they ha wake up and am I going to get shot today? Am I not going to be able to make it on time? Am I going to get detained? Is my child going to get kidnapped without any no acknowledgement, without any notification and just worry he's gone for two weeks? That I mean, they, this, that happens all the time. So thinking about that as we go forward, and even soldiers admitting that this is something that they regret. Let's talk about, you know, this is one more example, by the way, of, of just one of the many ways that what, that video that we just played, here's one example of how that works in the average life. Like he said, you might get arrested, you might not make the work on time, you might wake up in the middle of the night and have your house stolen. Here's one of those examples. Are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one, no one uh, uh, is allowed to steal it, Yami.
the settlers taking over Palestine home in, in Sheikh Jarrah. Yaakov, you know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But, but you it's you're... easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. Yeah, you are helping. stealing my house. The Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood is home to some 3,000 Palestinians. Now, this is not Gaza, guys. This is uh, in Jerusalem. It says many of the dis- people of the, are descendants of people who were forced out of what is now Israel during the ethnic cleansing in 1948. Israel has been ordering the eviction of Palestinian families who lived in, she- in uh, Sheikh Jarrah for generations. A total of 58 Palestinians, including 17 children, are under threat. This is just one location, guys. It's all over occupied Palestine. In every example, this is illegal under international law, and even the U.S. is asking them to stop doing it. It just doesn't matter. Nobody cares. That's my point about the whole, which we'll get to it, the urging them to act with international law. If that was any of their even even mild adversaries, they would be calling for criminal action, but they don't care. They break the law on a daily basis, and we just go, well, stop, please. It's sad. It says, or being forcibly displaced to make way for Jewish settlements. Palestinians are calling to save Sheikh Jarrah on social media. Robert's written about this many times. We've had people shot. People, I mean, it's you are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else will. Right. He says, if I don't steal it, somebody else will. Just make sure you repeat that and understand what he's saying. Right? So your hands are clean? Right? Well, hey, someone's going to break the law. Someone's going to steal from you. So it might as well be me. I might as well benefit from something that I pretend I don't care about. And she even knows his name. It's somebody that, I mean, these. it's just, it's, now, now imagine you live in a place that is an open-air prison, a worse situation than what you're seeing here. Like, it's just, this is constant. This is what they live under. That does not justify the attack on Israelis or citizens anywhere in the world. Nobody, anybody that would assume that by pointing that reality out, that that means that, you're lost in propaganda. Or you're fighting for one side and you don't care about the other side of civilians. My point is, that's reality. Occupied Palestine, as the UN has always maintained, which gives Palestinians, whether Hamas or not, the right to armed rebellion. Fact. Which means the act of acting against Israel proper was a legally protected, international law protected act. Then once crimes were committed, which was these civilians, that's a crime. And I'm going to say this every day for however long it takes to get people to remember that and make sure you understand that. I'm not defending any crime against any civilian. But I will defend the law, which is that they had a right to armed rebellion, period. That's why they fought so hard to manipulate people into thinking that it wasn't an occupied territory. It's very simple. But Specter Index points out Israeli officials say fuel will not be allowed into Gaza, making the original point he was just saying in this clip, which is that we make sure they know that we control every aspect of their lives. So here's the way this game is played. We'll let through just a squeak, just a small little blip of humanitarian aid which will pretend that we're making people better, which will make them only, it's almost, it's not even a bullet, a bandit on a bullet hole, as I was saying. It, I guess I, the number before the last one was about 4%. So I guess we could probably say it's like 8% since the same amount of trucks went through the second time and then they bombed the, the crossing, right? And as I understand that there hasn't been much more coming. The point is, it's not enough. They ha- and and the, what they have let through is, all, is for all we know, is not even making it to Palestinians, as which is what usually happens. The point, though, is it's only a small amount that it's not enough to help even a fraction of the people that need help. And then they say no fuel, which and but so then they go on. And then what they said when, when people asked when the human rights groups were like, we need 100 trucks a day to even start helping people. And they said, here's 16 and we're done. They said, we have it under control. That's what they said. They sure do. Which, by the way, means they took responsibility for it. 
legally also recognize that if you get out of, if you have an accident with somebody and you go, Oh, I'm so sorry. Even if it's just reflexive in a court of law, that means you just took responsibility. You should remember that by the way. I, I you learn that in restaurants and stuff. So if somebody falls, you're not supposed to go, Oh, I'm so sorry. That means they, they go, Oh, you just took responsibility for it. The point is when they said we have it under control, that's their responsibility, but they know that they don't care. Point is without fuel as AP pointed out, as human rights groups point out, it does. It's the fuel is what you need to make all of the rest of it even make sense. You can't heat your homes. You can't cook food. You can't clean water. You can't do anything without that. You can't run generators. You can't. The, the point is, they don't have electricity, so they need the fuel to turn on generators to be able to make sure that the incubators for babies don't go off, that the ventilators don't turn off for people that need them. I mean, it's just obscene, and they know that. And yet, because they put some things through, they're acting like, "See, we're helping people." They're all lying, except they don't allow fuel. And here's the biggest point. They're not just not allowing fuel for the aid. This is what they said. Israeli official says fuel will not be allowed in Gaza, even if they release the hostages. You can, there's only two ways to take that. And they're both accurate, I think. One, that they're completely focusing this on Palestinians and always have been. It's not about Hamas. It's the excuse. And two, that they're going to punish the entire population going forward, whether or not they get hostages back, because of that. Or because of what happened. That's collective punishment. All of this is. I mean, there's just no way to, you, and I'm going to get to a point in the, right after this first segment that makes you make sure we understand they have shown their face now. The Zionists, they've come out and made it clear. We're not even trying to not, we're, we're, we're bombing based on destruction, not accuracy. That's a direct statement from the Israeli government. But yet listen to people on Twitter to scream at you and tell you they're only focusing on Hamas because there's a propaganda, desperate effort going on. So here, they will not allow fuel even if they get hostages. So what they're doing is saying, we're making sure that all those babies, all the people in hospital, all the elderly, all the disabled, everyone who needs this to make sure they're going to, we're going to make sure they die. Let's just, just, let's just take the hundreds of babies in incubators, which they've already talked about. Like the UN has made this point. That's going to guarantee that they've died or they're going to, if they haven't already died. But what we're all going to talk about a claim that we can't prove to this point. That's why, as Sam Husseini points out, that's why that claim was made to cover up what is ongoing. Now, here's a clip that's pretty hard. It's only two minutes. There is some graphic stuff in here, but the reality of what's going on, this is from a corporate outlet. As this report says, Israel pounded hundreds of targets in Gaza from the air while its soldiers fought Hamas militants during raids into the besieged Palestinian enclave. Now, I haven't been able to confirm that. I keep hearing about these like outskirts like uh, Pasta this morning was saying that there was a, uh, the, they, tr they said they tried to go in a little bit, ended up a 19-year-old IDF member got killed, and I guess they pulled back. So I haven't really been able to confirm, though, whether this is any kind of actual raid or it's just sort of like a, a narrative or testing the outskirts. The bottom line is we haven't seen a real ground invasion like they keep talking about. And I'll get to it in a second. They seem to have walked that back, at least for today. The point is they're claiming that and then saying where deaths are soaring and civilians are trapped in these conditions. So this is a common understood reality, not because of Hamas, because of what they've done. They've, they, they've, they've bombed this area in an unprecedented fashion and still going. That has tr and, and many of these civilians, per the United Nations, are incapable of leaving. They don't care. Just by throwing leaflets on the ground that says, if you're here, you're a terrorist, does not relieve you of the responsibility of, one, the fact that it's an occupied territory, therefore you have a legal right to protect those civilians. Two, you just said it's, we have it under control in regard to the humanitarian situation. But three, 
just because you say that they're terrorists because they're there, they're not, they're not capable of leaving. So you know that. So you're just basically creating a context that justifies your criminal action. As I said this morning, it's no different than Obama's time frame when they said, well, if we they didn't say this, but it got revealed that they made the argument that if we bomb an area, if people are there, therefore they're enemy combatants. That it doesn't matter if they're children, women, elderly. The point was, if they died in a bombing, we'll label them enemy combatants. So therefore, we go 14 enemy combatants died. Well, wait a minute. They don't just become the combatants because you bomb there. That that means every civilian you bomb is therefore a combatant. Aha. That's how this game is played. Here's this clip. Israel's soldiers were reported to have fought Hamas militants during limited ground raids in Gaza as the bombardment of the besieged enclave continued Monday. Spokesperson for the Israeli military, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari. When they say bombardment, they mean indiscriminate bombing. Said tanks and infantry went in overnight and killed, quote, squads of terrorists. The soldiers also tried to gather information on the 222 hostages being held by the Islamist Hamas. Yeah, while they indiscriminately bomb. I don't even know how we don't laugh about how stupid that is. They're not, again, I'll show you where they say we're bombing based on destruction, not accuracy. You don't know where they are, but you're going to pretend that by bombing constantly, you're not worrying about hurting them or the four to 600 American citizens that are in Gaza still. It's it's obscene. It's it's illogical. And that's why people are going, I just can't keep pretending this makes sense. In the Sheikh Radwan area of Gaza City, families were forced to flee an Israeli strike. All civilians. Now, everybody on the side of certain narratives are going to say they're all Hamas because they're there. All those little children, all that little infant in his arms, Hamas because they're present. Hundreds were killed by such attacks in the past 24 hours. All Most- civilians, all, all complete war crimes. And, you know, like, it's not my opinion, guys. These are, this is being pointed out by international bodies. In the south of the narrow, densely populated strip, Gaza's health ministry said. What's at this place? Bringing Palestinian deaths in the two weeks of Israeli strikes to more than 5,000. The Israeli bombardment was... Right, so realize, I keep saying this, if, the, if, we, if what they're saying is 1,400 deaths on the side of Israel, which is terrible. How many are IDF? I guess we'll never know, because that's something that I guarantee will be desperately held from our view, because I have a sneaking suspicion that most of them are IDF or, uh, or occupying forces like settlers. But my point is, that's a catastrophe. People died, civilians died, and it's terrifying. It's terrible. It's a, we should condemn it. It's a war crime. But we have more than that people there more than that number have been killed in just children and women in Gaza since this started. It, we're, it's, it's something now at over like 2000. It's over 2000 children alone. So just children is the better way to put that. Ch- just children killed in Gaza is, is outnumbers the amount of people in, killed in Israel in general. Now, the point is, we shouldn't even be trying to compare these things. The bottom line is Israel just killed over 2000 children for whatever reason they're claiming. Not even even beginning their effort to go after Hamas. That's the reality. Now, as I said before, even if half the population of Israel was killed, all civilians, because Hamas and what they did, which would all be crimes, it still does not justify what's going on in Gaza. Because they're not going after Hamas. They're killing civilians. What needs to be clear is that people are conflating the situation to rationalize this. So they're not being held accountable for the indiscriminate killing of civilians, the war crimes, the genocide, the crimes against humanity. 
and as, as uh, Steve pointed out today, in fact, I still have yet to see any verifying information about how many people they claim are held, how many people are IDF or not, how many people. I mean, it, it's, it's completely being held close to the chest, as even Israelis keep pointing out. They're willfully keeping information from anybody's view. Triggered two weeks ago by a cross-border attack by Hamas militants who killed more than 1,400 people and seized hostages. Photos of the victims filled the seats of a University of Tel Aviv auditorium on Monday. In- now, what's interesting to me, and I haven't got into this because I'm not one to try to critique or understand how people respond in times of crisis. I always think that's it's always a possibility that people could be lying. But during like, for instance, during like crisis, like shootings and stuff, when people talk about look at the way they're smiling, I, it's just it's impossible. You're, we're always assuming because we don't know how people respond with grief. But there has been some pretty odd videos that I've seen that I just for that reason, I haven't gotten into. But th- there are Israelis that are talking about how their p- family were killed. And in two different clips, the girls break out in laughter, like very clear laughter, like trying to withhold their smiles and laughter while he's going. My parents were killed. It just doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, as I said, who knows how people respond, but it's pretty damn suspicious. Tribute. While Israeli troops and tanks mass on the Gaza border, it's still not clear how soon they might launch a ground invasion. Aimed- That's my point. So if they haven't done this yet, why would they be? Why are these incursions with tanks they keep talking about? You're going to bring one tank in? I just it doesn't. It's not, the whole, we, I feel like we're being wagged the dog here in the whole situation. Lim- not, not that it, all of it, but just the current narrative of what's happening and what they're about to do. Dominating Hamas. Israel said its limited ground operation targeted Palestinian gunmen and that its airstrikes focused on sites where Hamas was assembling. See, this is it's so gross how they'll just well, they did say that's what they told them. But they're the reporting for the first two minutes just proved that's not true. You can see all the civilians. You can see the United Nations locations that were bombed. They can't deny our thing. One locations that they know are there that they have confirmed before this per the U.N., and then bomb them anyway, bomb the food locations, bomb the refuge locations. It's provable. 30 plus people now have died with the United Nations. You can't pretend that's anything other than targeted civilian casualties. And yet they go, well, or they say they're only bombing Hamas. That's the kind of thing like Matt saying, well, we told them to follow the national law. It's meek and it's cowardly. It's not journalism. And that's now what I'm going to get to in a minute, showing you the U.S. and other people starting to go, well, we have civilians on both sides because everybody can see how transparent this lie is. To ambush any wider Israeli invasion. Hamas, which runs Gaza, also reported overnight clashes with Israeli soldiers close to Khan Yunus in the south of the enclave. Yeah, Khan Yunus. Remember when uh, Dershowitz said that's where they could all go because it'll be safe? Right. They bombed it right after that. Meanwhile, desperate civilians are running out of food, water and places to shelter. All collective punishment. No matter what the reason for it is or what started it, that's collective punishment. That's the whole point of the term. It doesn't mean that there's not a justification and that doing so might not help you achieve your goals, but it's still collective punishment, no matter what started it. That's why it's so embarrassing to watch people try to make a logical argument, even lash out at like we're somehow racist or bigoted by making that general point. It doesn't matter whether there's hostages. It doesn't matter what's going on. The point is it's still collective punishment. You can even argue that it's a justified act it's still under the law and the definition collective punishment. It's so embarrassing to watch these people argue that what else do you expect them to do? Act within the law. It, it's, it's, it's the equivalent argument of saying you're going to level an entire country because they're more powerful than you or that you don't know or that they're hostages somewhere in the country. Well, what do you do in history? Well, they go in 
like they're pretending they're going to do, and they just backed away from because they're not capable of winning. But you see, if they cared about the hostages, they would have already gone in with ground troops, which, by the way, I would argue would very clearly also amount to civilian casualties because these people don't care about the Palestinians. But overall, it's very different than just indiscriminately bombing while those hostages are there. I've yet to see any one of those people try to make a rational argument other than, well, they're bombing Hamas. Well, no, here's a UN location. Please explain. Crickets. These people know they're lying. From the unrelenting bombardment, a third Gaza-bound aid convoy entered the Rafah crossing from Egypt on Monday. But the trickle of supplies arriving since the weekend is only a fraction of the amount needed. Right. The United Nations Humanitarian Office says the volume is just a tiny percentage of the daily average before the conflict. About 1.4 million of Gaza's 2.3 million population are now internally displaced, it says, with many seeking refuge in overcrowded UN emergency shelters. UN workers say some who heeded Israel's warning to leave the north of Gaza for the south are now heading back because of the bombing there. See my point? It's 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 a game, and people who are so dishonest about this because they're fighting on a side and don't care about the truth are going to print. They're going to frame this however they want. These people were told to go a certain place because it would be safe, and then they bombed that location. It's just that stupid, and it's that insulting to your intelligence. Now here is uh, Ahmed pointing out this journalist Motaz uh, Azaria. Oh look at that, his account's been suspended. <laughs> My God, this is so ridiculous, guys. This is what I keep telling you, regardless of, I mean, look, I'm able to still post on Twitter. I'm making these arguments and making these calls. My point, though, is that pl- pe- not, I think right now what's being allowed is people like us who are talking about these things, making count, you know, what they would argue are contentious arguments that are, in my opinion, based in the facts, international law. But they're actively suppressing journalists like this on the ground. And I think that's important to understand. I think it's because of stuff like this. I really believe we've already seen journalists killed. I'll show you in a second. Reuters journalist. You know, that can even go back before this. Uh, uh, um, Shereen Abu Akleh was killed. She's a UN citizen. Nobody cared about that. But what's, this, is, uh, this journalist shared this video moments ago showing the complete destruction of the city. He asked whether the world will finally stop this Nakba, a.k.a. ethnic cleansing of Palestinians using genocide. And then, of course, they clearly censored his account. I mean, that's, it's just that ridiculous, guys. And I will show you the massive destruction that happened to the Zahra city in the middle of the Strip. More than 14 residential towers got destroyed by the Israeli airstrikes. Imagine how many people have been homeless and lost their places. Like like Gaza need and you. Look at that. Are we going to pretend that's targeted? That's an entire resident. That, that, that is an entire city block, if not more. Multiple blocks. It's just it's just so obscene. Well, Cuds News Network points out the Ministry of Gaza. The health system in the hospitals of Gaza have completely collapsed. The UN's been warning about this. The fuel, the fuel they had for generators after they turned it off has now run out. And now, I mean, they're, compl- I mean, it is, think about trying to operate, trying to help people. The, 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 the hospital system has collapsed and that's why they have not allowed fuel in. It's, it's, in my opinion, designed to maximize the suffering. And here's what Vanessa Bailey's reporting. The injured civilians in Gaza are now being operated on without anesthetic. 
They're dying from their wounds slowly and in agony because there is no medication, no electricity, and no water. Imagine trying to help somebody with no water, no electricity, no medication, no anesthetic, no light. Hospitals should be protected under international law when they are being used to treat. The wounded store the dead and shelter refugees. Instead, Israel forces evacuation and bomb safe areas because, quote, Hamas. Israel knows the, the United Nations ruled by the, the, the United Nations Security Council, ruled by the U.S. and U.K. France cartel, will never interfere with the Israeli genocide campaign. Well, I would I agree with that, but I, I don't I, I argue I agree completely. I don't think they'll ever interfere. But right now they're seemingly beginning to kind of walk away the narrative, which suggests that they see that people recognize what they are. But just think about how absolutely disgusting that is. Here's another journalist probably about to be censored for pointing this out. Hotspots points out Israel bombards a bakery. We already showed you this. Uh, Sarah Abdallah showed this. But he just says this is a bag of Red Bulls. Ten days ago, and I've been eating it out of this bag since. This is our daily sustenance. I stuff it with cheese, anything. I bought it from this bakery. The bakery was destroyed. One of Israel's targets. It attacks the simplest of things. It strikes a store or a bakery. It's strange. Well, it's not very strange when you go back to the original clip we pointed out. It's about, one, making sure they don't feel safe, they don't have what they need, that they always know Israel's in control of every aspect of their life, and then just absolute punishment, collective punishment. Now here is another journalist covering the absolute destruction of Gaza. Rashi, uh, Rashidi Siraj, Siraj, a Palestinian journalist who worked for Radio France. Radio, so Radio France. Say, this is the same kind of thing we keep. I mean, going, let's take a quick step back to collateral murder. Those were also Reuters journalists. They were killed because of the United States bombing. And also nothing happened. So let's make it, let's, I mean, where is Reuters in all this? Where are all the rest of the journalists? Where's all the screaming high-minded people? Like what's, what's squealing, uh, What's his name? Little chubby guy from old guy from used to be on CNN. You know, Mr. Honest Sources. What I forget his name now off the top of my head. Remind me, remind me in the chat. My point is are trusted sources. These people are always so big about standing up for journalism. You know, when what's his name got slapped on the hand by the person taking a microphone, Acosta, I think. Oh, my God. Journalism is under attack. But now we don't care. Right. Suddenly we don't care about journalists being murdered by governments. Where are all, where yet? CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. Strange how you just don't care about that. Brian Stelter is what I was trying to remember. Where are they at? Where's all your big high-minded statements now? Well, before I get to it, the point is this journalist was killed in Israel after the bombing of the area he was in. One of his last tweets, the lack of media coverage from Gaza. Here's his point. Made all the more clear by him being killed for doing this. Due to the killing of more than 12 journalists, the bombing and the blackout of electricity and the internet, a blackout of the information. However, we are still trying to withstand and continue coverage so the world can see the Israeli crimes in Gaza. Bomb him. He's dead now. I mean, this is blatant. We must see what's going on here. And this is not new. We People like us have been trying to point this out on in, in Gaza and on the borderline, the fences and so on for a very long time. They're, we've had admissions from generals that say they're directed to target to shoot journalists because they're exposing what's going on or admitting they were told to target children. We've talked about this many times. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. And now he's gone. 
Well, we just talked about this, right? Reuters journalist killed by Israeli bombing. I covered that the day it happened on the 13th. We talked about ongoing in general. This was the show from two days ago. They're bombing hospitals, churches, UN buildings. At the time, it was 29 UN members killed. And they've already started, they bombed a mosque in the West Bank. They're now claiming that it's a terrorist location. But it's just, it just doesn't, nobody cares to check any of this stuff, right? Like, like we're really pretending, one, that they wouldn't lie or make things up to sell the narrative. We've already caught them in numerous lies. I'm not saying I know it's false. But also, let's ask the question, is it in fact a terrorist location or is it another location of Palestinians beginning and, pre- and prepping for legal, pre- legally protected armed resistance under international law? See how easy it is to frame it as a terrorist hotbed when really it's just Palestinians who are getting ready to fight back against an illegal occupier, which if they're only fighting military entities, that's a legally protected act. I, don't, I, don't, I see very few people making this argument today, which blows me away because it's one of the most foundational points to this entire conversation. Here's, by the way, Reuters, making sure you understand, six people killed by an Israeli airstrike on a United Nations school. This is on the 17th. Can you imagine just this one report at any other time in history from any other government anywhere? But not. Th- but this is a it's brushed aside. You mean they killed children at a UN school? Can you imagine? I mean, when if, even during the ongoing occupation of Yemen, when they bombed a school bus, that got coverage, despite the fact that they're starving an entire country and then bombed three other school bu- or two other school buses after that. But only that one got discussion because it got pushed into people's view. Jim Carrey made a cartoon about it. I think that's why. But think about how crazy that is. I keep making this point. They, it's a U.N. school. It is not a Hamas location. They knew it was there and nobody cares. Not Joe Biden, not Macron, not anybody. Because they're all liars. And look, this goes back to the fort. This is 2016. The, the military of the Israel refuses to investigate an attack near the school in Rafa that killed 14 civilians. It's still the same United Nations school. It's, this is not new. Realize that. Now, here's the clip I want to play again so we understand that this is something that is documented. They knew this place was there. They knew that it was full of civilians, and that's likely why they bombed it. I want to get to what's happened at this hospital in just a moment, but one of your facilities, an UNRWA shelter, was also bombed this evening. What happened there? Hi, and thank you so much for hosting me and hosting UNRWA and bringing and amplifying the voice of uh, Palestinian civilians in Gaza on your, on, your, on your screen. It's very, very important that we keep telling that story. Our initial reports, the reports from my colleague at UNRWA in Gaza, are of direct Israeli fire attacks on two refugee camps in the middle area of Gaza, Mahazi and Burej. As a reminder, around a million people moved from the north, northern part of the Gaza Strip to the south, to the middle and south. So the middle and south areas of Gaza are incredibly packed, densely populated, and an attack on densely populated refugee camps where um, people, uh, displaced people, are sheltering in UN schools and UN premises is something that is utterly shocking to me and to my colleagues. It is a very stark violation of international humanitarian law. And I am lost for words right now about 
people having been displaced into a, in, into a building that has a blue flag of the UN, who left the building during that attack, came back because they have nowhere else to go. People are coming back to a place that came under attack. You know, I think that I was grabbing something while that started. I might, unless it, if it didn't say in the beginning that she that, that's the location that they knew that she documented. We know that because it's a UN location anyway. They exchange coordinate coordinates. They let them know they're there, and that's supposed to be a safe target. They don't bought, target right. I, if she didn't say that, then that's the wrong clip. I'm, I'm not going to try to find the other one. But the point is, it's been an ongoing issue. It's been they report every day about the people that are being killed. But the point was, oh, and but it still made the same point that they're bombing a school. That they know that there are people sheltered there. And here's Justin Amash, by the way, former member of Congress, saying, I was really worried about this with great sadness. I have now confirmed that several of my relatives have been killed at the St. Porphyrus Church in Gaza. Right. So all the people acting like that didn't happen are just manipulators or unable to do their own due diligence. And not because he says this, but because we can prove that. But just goes on to show that and these are Christians, guys. These are Palestinian Christians. People, people are arguing that's not even real, that doesn't even exist in Gaza because there's that wildly ignorant about the reality. Well, here's another video I think is important. So looking at people like David Eli and these different people that are screaming that these people are all liars and the church is there and you're all in a, a propaganda campaign that are actively whitewashing anything that's bad that's happening in Gaza. Justin Amash points out in this video, Provided to me by a relative on site, you can see the destruction of at St. Uh, Porphyrius Orthodox Church in Gaza. The ancient, the ancient sanctuary remains standing. That's the point. Nobody said it was completely, it was bombed. But the church annex, which includes offices and meeting spaces for the Christian community, collapsed from an Israeli airstrike, killing multiple members of, a th- of, a, of three connected Orthodox Christian families who were my relatives. One of a group of them were. They are my dad's first cousins and their spouses, children, and in-laws. May their memories be eternal. Right? So people like I, I want to call out even Eli David specifically. How do you stand by what you said when you know that people were killed and you're acting like it doesn't matter? And then when you pretend somebody's like, what about Gazan civilians? And then you claim they don't care about Israeli civilians, you're despicable. I mean, you're a hypocrite and a complete manipulator if you can't recognize that there's killing on both sides of this and both sides matter. Civilian lives matter anywhere. It's amazing that that is being framed as racist today. Well, sadly enough, he points out it, as it develops, this is my second cousin, George, being pulled from the rubble at St. Porphyry. Now, prepare yourselves. This is a sad and graphic picture. This is a baby being pulled from the rubble, and this is his family member. Okay, this is not a lie. 2,000 plus children have been killed, and we're still discussing this as if it's somehow Hamas's fault. And as Sam Hussein, he points out, in his opinion, and I agree, Israel knew its bombing of Palestinians in Gaza would produce this. So it put out the Hamas beheaded babies propaganda in a calculated maneuver to get people to accept their slaughter of innocents. This is how mass criminals like Netanyahu operate, which, by the way, his own population calls him that. They, they just wrote a scathing op-ed that says that Netanyahu is an existential threat to the government, that they were that the reason half of this is happening, most of it is because they think this is being allowed or justified or they took part in it to get him out of trouble the different indictments that he's going to go to prison for, the judicial reforms that he did in order to hide from that, that everybody was upset about. The country is about to remove him from power, and yet our country is defending him to the death. They put, out, they put out the Hamas slaughter baby story without evidence so they could slaughter babies. That's his opinion, and I agree with that. Now, Rabbi Minotti points out, and it's amazing that people, the Christians of this country, who don't who act like they're somehow siding with Israel in this, 
This is an open letter from Palestinian Christians to the Western church leaders and, and theologians. You can read it for yourself. The point is, like, why are you guys not paying attention to us? Where are you in this? We are being slaughtered right now as Christians in, in Gaza, and nobody cares. In fact, the people of the Christian community are standing on the side of Israel. I mean, it's, it's, it's really upsetting, but you can look at it for yourself. Let's not forget, by the way, before we move past this, that we have Human Rights Watch on the 12th of October that has now confirmed, their own investigation confirmed, Israel, yes, used white phosphorus in Gaza and Lebanon. And by the way, in case you think that that is some kind of a new discussion, let's not forget that they also proved this in 2009. Reign of fire, Israel's unlawful use of white phosphorus. And guess what? Israel to this very day pretends that's still a lie, even though you can prove it and you can read it for yourself. Not because they said it, but because it's proven. There's documented video. It's very real. It's just embarrassing how people try to hide from this stuff. Oh, and in case you want to see this too, here's Human Rights Watch. Israel's still blocking aid to civilians in Gaza. Collective punishment to Palestinians is a war crime. Now, I've never stood blindly by the UN or Human Rights Watch because most of these groups can be manipulated. The point is, whatever the reasoning or why, this is exactly the reality. And these are the groups that these people have always pointed at to put in your face when they're trying to sell you on a propaganda effort. Now, is, finally, it seems that they're pointing out the reality and they don't, if, if they even talk about it, there's some kind of a narrative about them being racist or whatever. It's just, it's a, it's a flimsy, illegitimate argument that's not winning people over because it's that obvious. And let's not forget Amnesty International also already verified that Israel targeted civilians who were told to leave and then hit them on the location which they took, which they told them to take. I went over this already multiple times from the 15th on the 13th. People were told to go take this route, go here. It'll be safe. And they bombed them while they were going. It's, it's this clear to see. That's why people are very aware of this. Now, in case you somehow don't believe any of that, let's listen to the Israeli people themselves, rather the government. I mean, this is from going underground, but we all, almost every one of these, we've already shown you on the show from before genocidal rhetoric from Israeli officials. But this first one, I hadn't seen. We are dropping hundreds of tons of bombs on Gaza. The focus is on destruction, not accuracy. And yeah, that was put out by The Guardian. Emphasis on damage, not accuracy. Well, look at that. So how are we supposed to take those things into the same conversation? How are we supposed to pretend that your effort is to damage as much as possible and not to be accurate, but yet somehow we're pinpoint targeting Hamas and not hitting civilians. That's what Alex Bernson will tell you. That's what Ben Shapiro will tell you because they're clearly lost in this narrative or they don't care. I mean, my God, that's collective punishment. That's genocide. And I genuinely am starting to think that it's about destroying everything. So the tunnels underneath all of this are somehow inaccessible, just hurting, killing as many people as possible just to get an edge up on Hamas. Why? Because they know they won't win based on the current reality. Well, Times of Gaza points out, and this is their estimate, 5,887 Palestinians killed so far. But that was just backed up by corporate media. Not that we should blindly take their word for anything. But that is in writing, according to pretty much everybody right now, across the board, over 2,000 children have been killed in Gaza. Over 2,000. Just children is more than everything that happened in Israel in this last, last the, the Hamas invasion. More than 15,000 injured. Israeli warplanes killed more than 50 Palestinians in the last hour in Gaza. This was over the last couple of hours, guys. This is unreal. And they told you they were going to step up their bombing campaign. 
50 people in the last hour, not Hamas, Palestinian civilians throughout populated, densely civilian populated Gaza. Now here is we'll get into the kind of changing of the narrative. Scotland is always pretty much most of them have been on the side of the reality that this is terrible for any civilians on both sides of the conversation, which is weirdly called racist today. But this is a member of parliament from Scotland. Stephen Flynn points out collective punishment is prohibited by international law, which is what this is, no matter what the narrative. A humanitarian ceasefire remains essential. But of course, people before who were calling for ceasefire were called racist, terror-supporting maniacs. Interesting how now suddenly that their narrative that this is all acceptable is falling on its face. Now, the very same people that were saying you saying that a week ago that you were a terrorist are now the ones saying that. Not him, but people in the U.S. government, the U.K. government are going, we need a ceasefire. We need a two-state solution. Oh, yeah, now you do, right? Because now that's your fallback, that you act like that's always what you wanted when you were whitewashing genocide 30 seconds ago. These people need to be held accountable. But here's what the Scottish member of parliament said. Mr. Speaker, I said last week that history would judge us based on our response, not just to the abhorrent terrorist attack in Israel, but in our response to the humanitarian crisis which was undoubtedly unfolding in Gaza itself. On our collective unequivocal condemnation of the abhorrent attacks of the 7th of October, this House has been and continues to be fully united, just as we are united in our condemnation of any form of anti-Semitism which rears its head on these aisles, and indeed in our thoughts and prayers for all of those hostages who need to be returned safely to their families. However, in respect of the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, and whilst I do welcome the announcements from the Prime Minister today, I believe that we can and must go further. And here's why. Because turning off electricity and water to Gaza is collective punishment. Now, right there, it doesn't matter in the minds of manipulators and propagandists that are trying to get you on a one-sided narrative that it doesn't matter everything he said to begin with. That we condemn everything that happened and so they should go to prison and everyone's responsible and we remove, we, we condemn anti-Semitism. None of that matters. The fact that you then go, but this is a crime, makes you a terrorist, anti-Semitic, at whatever, whatever they want to lob at you, which is what's happening. Do you remember when earlier in the conversation, it was BBC, I believe, speaking with Bennett? I think it was Bennett, right? Either one of the, uh, one of the members of the current coalition in charge. And he simply said, what about babies and incubators? And the guy lost his mind and said, you're asking me about Palestinian civilians? I just, we need to realize that it's, it's, it's been such an aggressive pushback for anyone that even cares about Palestinian civilians that has almost woken most people up. And so my point is now this is an acceptable argument. But a week ago, you were called a maniac for saying that's a crime, isn't it? Or that we could call a ceasefire should be necessary until we stop remove civilians. But it's happening now. Limiting the free access of food and medicines to Gaza is collective punishment. Preventing people from fleeing including British citizens from Gaza, is collective punishment. Interesting how Biden is yet to make that statement. Certainly doesn't seem to care about the 600 Americans that could be there, right? Dropping leaflets in northern Gaza, telling people to flee or they will be deemed partners of Hamas, is a precursor right. for further collective punishment. All of us. All of us 
in this chamber know that collective punishment is prohibited by international law. So I ask the Prime Minister to use his office to do some good on the humanitarian side of this conflict in Gaza. And to answer the question which I asked last week, will he now, given the severity of this appalling situation, agree that a ceasefire is required in the region? Good. Some people are pointing it out, right? They see it. But here's here's an interesting question. And this is the kind of thing we talk about when it comes to people in power, where historically they can kind of go, well, I resign in disgrace and then avoid any kind of legal accountability. How that it, What it shows you is there's more kind of an understanding that we don't hold each other accountable. Not really. What, I'm, what I think is interesting is, okay, so it's obvious that you, Israel has, not maybe, has committed a war crime in the, at the very least, the collective punishment. At the very least, since October 7th forward, not even getting into the decades of collective cr- crimes and punishments for however long. But my point is, if we know that, which we should because it's clear, are they going to be held accountable for that? Like, it, just because we, they, they stop and there's a ceasefire declared, they go, okay, good, we got what we wanted. Okay, that shouldn't end the conversation. You just made it clear well, you committed a war crime. So once this all gets squared away, we're going to circle back and you're going to have to step in front of the court. And we're going to hold you accountable for your war crime, right? Is that the way that it's supposed to work? <laughs> I think we all know that's not how it actually works, and that needs to show you something. There's no real accountability for people like this, not, not truly. And I mean, like, in, you know, government's powerful, especially the Zionist entities we're talking about today. Thank you to RJP, RJ Phoenix for pointing this out to me. Now, here is the shift on this to me, or what, the main part I see. The Spectator Index reports, and this is, this is broadly being stated, leaders of the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, and Italy, and Canada released joint statements urging the IDF to adhere. What's well, interesting, by the way, not the Israeli government, which I, think, I actually think that's an important difference it's like it's like calling for the police in this country to not be brutal as opposed to the government to not be brutal on those people and you see what i'm saying it's very different because the calling for the israeli government they would take that as a personal offense which is probably this is why it's such an obviously weak measure after 16 days but i do think that's an important distinction urging the idf to adhere to international law and avoid civilian casualties well about 17 days and thousands of children's lives too late guys Interesting how all you do is urge Israel to adhere to international law. If this were any adversary, you'd be calling for criminal action already. You'd be sanctioning them, wouldn't you? As you should be here, guys. This statement clearly also implies that they're currently violating international law. I mean, there's no misunderstanding that, right? If you're urging them to adhere to it, that means that they're not. And my point is the same. No accountability, no criminal action. I guess this feels like the U.S. government and the rest of them so desperate to stop the obvious crimes that are being taken, taking place because they know they're complicit. It's almost like a nudge and an urgement state. We're going to have to make this like if you don't stop doing this, we're, it's going to be exposed. You know, I, don't, I mean, this feels like they're trying to pressure them to stop doing what they're doing. But who knows what the, re- the reality is? And I don't think that's because they care about international or civilian lives. I think it's because they see that this is blowing up in their faces right now. Either way. Yes, they're violating national law. Yes, they all know it. And that's them going, please stop doing that. Not, you'll get accountable for it. But guess what? While they're going, please stop violating national law by killing civilians, they've already have a, three co- a three-star general advising Israel on their ground operation. 
So if you, if you want to see complicity, it's right there. You've got generals alongside their military operations. So right now, legally speaking, you're completely, they already were, but simultaneously going, please operate with international law, but then your general's there helping them violate international law. Doesn't really go the way you think it does. But this is my point about as of today, Gaza ground op stalls as Israel, quote, willing to pursue prisoner release talks. So that is your walk back right there. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Go Maybe it'll, the next day it'll go forward if U.S. decides to get involved. I still argue that is the key factor. But this is sort of showing you that now they're going to talk about prisoner exchanges after 17 days, 16 days of indiscriminate bombing. This is a weak position. This is showing you that they have now lost control of what's been going on, in my opinion, alongside the narratives we're about to see from people in charge. Let's not forget, by the way, that's what this was about. Remember, we keep showing you Lloyd Austin was readying deployment. I mean, all those statements are really just about going, we're going to do it. We will. We promise. Don't don't put, we'll go. We'll, and then not. Because I think doing that is in order to get something else to happen. To get Hamas to release hostages, which maybe that's what I was saying was why this kind of pulled back. I don't know. But ultimately, it was bluster. It was, it was trying to get something to happen. That was my opinion. And now that it has been walked back, to, at least today, I think that's exactly what ultimately happened. <laughs> now this is important. This is from the International Court of Justice. Press release. The hearings on the request for advisory opinion in respect of the legal consequences arising from the policies and practices of Israel in the occupied Palestinian territory. Because that's the reality, guys. Anybody saying otherwise is either willfully lying to you or that ignorant on the situation. But it says, including East Jerusalem, which Trump just gave over, it's ridiculous, will open on February 19th, 2024. So unfortunately, we have to wait until February. But the point is, this is that hopefully we see some, at the very least, some public accountability, whether legally it actually even happens to the Israel government or the U.S. government, the fact that we can have this aired out. Now, here's the actual document. It says, The Hague, 23 October 2023, the International Court of Justice has decided to hold public hearings on the request for an advisory opinion in, in respect to the legal consequences arising from the same thing, the occupied territories and Israel's occupation of them, which will open on Monday 19th, February 2024, at the Peace Palace in The Hague. A further press release will be issued in due course detailing the schedule for the hearings and so on. Now, I, the point is just simply that this is obvious to anybody who understands international law, understands what's really going on. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. But hopefully people that have the ability to go to these kind of events will be speaking out and making a great case for it. But my, the point is simply that the international community is very aware of what's going on, guys. That's what you need to see. Now, another example of how clearly these people are don't this this goes back to this same point. All the oh, you know what? I I went forward without reading the rest of these, so that's actually good timing. Let's do this. Since I already came back to this point. So going underground was pointing out genocidal rhetoric from the officials. One of them was we are dropping hundreds of bombs and the focus is on destruction, not accuracy. Here's some of the ones you've already heard. Now there's only one goal, Nakba. The Nakba in Gaza will dwarf the Nakba of 1948. That's been multiple people have said that. Nakba 2.0, they keep that that means ethnic cleansing, guys. That's an Israeli politician of Likud. Wipe out their families, their mothers, their children. These animals must not be allowed to live any longer. Well, you know this one, that's Ezra Yachim, right? This is a founding early founding member or an earlier member of the Lehi terrorist Zionist organization. 
who was openly saying this to other Israeli IDF members. This one is from an Israeli politician of Likud. Jericho missile, doomsday weapon. That's my opinion. Powerful rockets will be fired without borders. Gaza to be smashed and razed to the ground without mercy. Clearly, they're only hitting the Hamas, right? The president. It's an entire nation who are responsible. The rhetoric about civilians not being involved is absolutely untrue. We will fight until we break their backs. And he made the point to say there is nobody innocent in Gaza. We showed you the clip. This one, Israeli Minister of Women's Affairs. I want to tell the world what they have long known about me in Israel. I don't care about Gaza. I literally don't care about Gaza. They can go swimming in the sea. But we're going to pretend that they, that they quibble about killing civilians to maybe, maybe hinder Hamas? My God, guys, it's that clear. And it says, yet Joe Biden says Israel is doing everything to avoid civilian casualties. Why? Because he was told to. Just like he said he saw the images of beheaded babies, which they haven't, which nobody has because it doesn't exist. When the stated goal is destruction of the Palestinian Gaza. I mean, look at this, guys. Oh, yeah. I'm going to play this while I read that. But anyway, you already saw an, sort of an, a, a, a version of this. Just, just look at that, guys. This is Imagine that was your city block where you lived. Everything you own destroyed. Your family members killed. That doesn't look like Hamas. That looks like just Gaza. All of it. That's your storefront where you used to work. The building of a restaurant upstairs. Your life's destroyed, guys. That's what they're trying to accomplish. <clears throat> now, here's Low Key pointing out, as this another Israeli politician writes, its name was Gaza, showing happily the destruction of Gaza. Next, Beirut. Oh, you mean that place that they totally didn't bomb and they pretended it was fertilizer? Right. That's the reality here, guys. Loki pointed out, a former employee of the Israeli prime minister's office tweets with genocidal glee. This is, I mean, they've lost control of this. People see it. And that's why this is happening. This utter coward right here. You know why I call him that? Because of many other, many other examples, but in particular, because he, as far as I could tell, has still yet to truly acknowledge that Israel has deliberately targeted United Nations buildings. And I'll come into that again next, just the update of it. But here's what Antonio Guterres says. It's important to recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of occupation. Oh, 56, huh? Can't even get the actual number correct. The point I mean, just, just because before Gaza was turned into what it is today doesn't mean that the all entirety of Palestine was not already occupied. But the point is that this is him saying the most basic, basic nod to, yeah, they're suffering too. And Israel freaked out. I'll play that next. Important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. So, right, so that's a crime. There's no way around that. It's an illegal occupation. So that's why it upsets them so much, because that destroys everything else that comes after that. They have a right to armed rebellion because it's occupied. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and also plagued by violence. Also a crime. Their economy is stifled. Their people displaced and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. But the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas. And those appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. Wow. 
Imagine waiting 16 days to say that. 16 days of round-the-clock bombing of civilians, and now you say that. I mean, God, you just can't take these people seriously. This is them desperate to avoid what they can see they're involved in. That's what I think. People see what they were allowing to happen, and now they're going, whoa, okay, we're losing control of this. We need to act like we're the international body we pretended we were. And if that was, even, if, even if that was actually true, they would be saying, that is a crime and needs to stop immediately. Not just, now we finally care a little bit about being honest about Palestinian plight. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to me that people don't see right through these criminals. But here is what they said. Oh, actually, before I get to it, actually, I want to make sure we see. This is why it kills me. This is from yesterday. Another six United Nations staff members have been killed, bringing the total to 35. Across the Gaza Strip, nearly 600,000 internally displaced people are sheltering in 150 of the UN facilities that they have. One by one, they're getting bombed. 40 installations have now been damaged. 40. I mean, this, this story alone blows everything else out of the water. I don't mean more important. I mean, it reveals that they're lying. And then this, this was the... Uh, oh, this is also from today. According to the Ministry of Health, over 5,000 people have been killed. This is directly from the UN now. Including 2,055 children. And this is today saying that we will run out of fuel tomorrow night, forcing us to halt operations, delivery of humanitarian aid to people in need. This is why they're not giving them fuel. Now, oh, and then this is where we get into the Israeli response, right? So he says the most obvious reality, stated objective truth about the history. But you're not allowed to say that today because it, make, it paints the picture as an, uh, the reality of it, which is that this is an, un, that you're, Collectively punishing civilians because of what happened over here in Gaza or in in Israel, excuse me. Doesn't matter how severe you think it was or how severe it truly was. It does not matter if you're bombing civilians in response. So he says this. They have been subjected to suffocating occupation. And Israel says, in what world do you live? I call on him to resign immediately. That's what he says. Definitely, this is not our world, he says. I mean, what a strange statement. Did he call for something bad to happen to Israel? Did, did he even call for accountability? No. He simply pointed out that, one, it's an occupied territory, and two, that that had some factor in what happened. And that's so off the table that this guy freaks out, calls for his resignation, and that exposes them even more. Because that's unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's an irrational response. But this is because they are losing control of the narrative. They see what people see. If we can see that they're breaking the law, if we can see that they are viciously targeting Palestinian civilians, well, it destroys the entire narrative they spun specifically for a Western audience. The Spectator Index points out Israel's foreign minister cancels the meetings going forward with the UN Secretary General over his comments. Over benign comments about the obvious static reality of the situation. 
Secretary, and this this is where it gets even more embarrassing. This guy is just a clown. I mean, I just can't get past how ridiculous this guy is when you know the statements you made. Like I make point of him nodding along like he agrees with the Saudi Arabian official was saying while he knows he was saying the opposite 10 seconds ago. Like these are just, they're, let's just call them what they are, politicians. And that should be a dirty word. Well, he, Blinken has now called for a two-state solution. I mean, do you realize how insulting that is at this stage? First of all, they have never wanted that. The Israeli government has screamed they will never allow that for as long as I've been covering the situation. And yet these kind of clowns walk around and act like that's what they want and act like Palestinians won't allow it. They will, they, if the Israeli government can tell you at the top of their lungs, anytime you listen to them, that this will never, never be a Palestinian state, we have to realize that they would do whatever is in their power, which is also something they've said publicly, to, they will do everything in their power to make sure that never happens. We've shown you this so many times that the member of parliament for Ireland brings that up. Uh, the point is that they won't let it happen. Now this situation rises. You've allowed 16 days of indiscriminate bombing of the most de- one of the most densely civilian, civilian populated areas on the planet without a peep saying you can do whatever you want. Israel, we back you. We'll give you weapons. Our general's there to help you. And then after 16 days, you go, well, well how about a two state solution? You see my point? You see why that's insulting? Because they've lied about it this far. And now at the point where you're being genocided in front of everybody, you now pretend like that makes sense. That is them aware that we see their involvement, that we see that they have been tacitly, openly involved in allowing this to happen. And then going, well, let's walk it back to the, let's, can, we, can we just rewind about 17 days and pretend like we're still there? That's what I think is happening. Here's what he says. It's this immediate crisis. We all agree. Oh, you, as you address the immediate crisis, 17-day-old immediate crisis? Coward. That we must redouble our collective efforts to build an enduring political solution to the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. The only road to lasting peace and security in the region, the only way to break out of this horrific cycle of violence, is through two states for two peoples. Which, by the way, Palestinians have been on the side of for, for decades now. Openly especially their, their leading representatives. Like, as I played that video for you right at the beginning of this, when he was speaking with BBC, I believe, or it was a Sky News, I can't remember. The only thing he said, you know what will bring an end to this conflict? Equal application of international law. What a contentious statement. It's very clear that doesn't happen. Pretty much for anybody outside of the, like the Western powers do what they want. And that, that Israel's not part of the West, but that includes the, the, the control structure. That's not going to happen. The two-state solution won't happen because Israel, and especially their extremist, religious, extremist, fascist, religious Zionism party, part of the current coalition, will never allow that. So saying this is just maintaining the illegal state of things. And also, if we're willing to be honest about it, which we always should be, that's not an actual legal, that, that's not solving the original illegal occupation. That's ignoring the state, the actual act that's caused all of this. And you know, but again, I make the point about current situations. It's been, you know, we're getting going 75 years plus. So there's a lot of people that have lived there that don't want any part of this. And we shouldn't, they shouldn't have to suffer either. But the bottom line is they've tried to get this to happen and they haven't allowed it to happen. As President Biden's underscore from day one, Palestinians deserve equal measures of security, of freedom, of justice, of opportunity, of dignity. Imagine saying that and being and being involved with the a wholesale murder of all of them. Palestinians have a right to self-determination and a status of their own. 
Right, but you unequivocally side with Israel, no matter what. Because that those two things make perfect sense together, right? Now, we have no illusions about how hard it will be to achieve a two-state solution. But as President Biden has said, we cannot give up on peace. Indeed, it's precisely in the darkest moments, like this one, that we have to fight the hardest to preserve an alternative path. God. To show people. I just, God, it just makes my skin crawl. This is the point about seeing the people who are, it, the murderer who tells you he's a murderer is a saint compared to people like this who stand up and, prog- and pr- profess to the world to be the saviors of, in- of, of international law and humanitarian rights and we fight for your self-determination and then actively and surreptitiously and viciously do the exact opposite. That is a terrible sociopathic, if not psycho- psychopathic human being. I don't know how they live with themselves. Making it real, improving their lives in tangible ways is possible. Indeed, it's necessary. Hmm. We've heard many countries express support in recent weeks for a durable political solution. Our message today is this. Help us build that solution. Help us prevent the spread of war that will make two states and broader peace and security in the region even harder to achieve. Yeah, and you know why? Because of Israel. You think that's Hamas that's causing this ongoing? The point is, because of what's happening right now, you're potentially drawing in all these powers. That's nobody else's fault but Israel's attack on Gaza. If, like, if look, if what happened in Israel was then responded to by Israel in a tactical way to go after Hamas, you would likely—I don't know—I can't see the future, but you likely would not have seen this tiptoeing towards World War Three. I, you know, I, I, I don't know because they would have maybe been just as belligerent about it if they're on the ground but my point is if they did that they would they wouldn't be able to succeed and that's why it hasn't even happened but that is their responsibility and the same thing with the u.s government the reason there's so much hostility in the middle east is because they're belligerent war crimes all over their foreign policy throughout the middle east but let's blame all the other people that's all this ends up happening they just blame the people that they destroy for their acts against them which we're going to get to in regard to the current kind of up you know the I think it's these next, right? Yeah, we'll get to that right next in regard to what's going on in Syria and Iraq and so on. But let's remember, as Blinken is acting like we suddenly care about the people in Palestine as the rest of them are, as we can see right through them, and this is why I think it's happening, this is not new. We already showed you a State Department official that's resigned because they are indiscriminately bombing Gaza and nobody has said a word until now. And we've got dozens of Israelis, both involved in the IDF as well as civilians that have been arrested. Because they simply had social media posts going, what about the civilians in Gaza? I mean, this is not a joke. Read it for yourself. I went over this on the 18th. They are arresting people for simply going, what about civilians? They arrested a woman who simply celebrated a wedding reception on the 7th. Because they said, you're not allowed to celebrate while that's happening. Because that means you're celebrating the death of Israelis. This is an Israeli Jew. I mean, my God. I mean, the point is we can't allow any perception of we care about civilians because why? It exposes that they don't. And Dan Cohen points out that even a member of the Knesset from the Ethics Committee, of course, has been removed from his position because he simply said that we should care about the civilians on both sides. It's, I mean, it's, I've never seen a more obvious example in the context of war. Well... The Spectator Index is also reporting, and this is my point about how this is, they, you know, at first I really was beginning to see this as an effort to make you think that this, war, I mean, I think it was both, always no, never let a good crisis go to waste kind of a thing where they were basically saying, 
here comes the rising lone shooter threat and Hamas style attacks. And we kept seeing that. They always want you to think because it builds up their ability to act and pretend like they're keeping you safe when really their actions are what are making you unsafe. But the point is Fox News reports U.S. officials expect a significant escalation in attacks against American troops just broadly in the Middle East with, quote, Iranian fingerprints all over them. It's just so clumsy. I mean, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Iran was acting right now because of the decades of, I mean, the previous CIA coup in their entire country, the involvement with Israel in the same regard, the nonstop attacks and sanctions. And I mean, my God, if, if anybody has a right to act against them in the military, I argue, it seems like Iran is justified in doing so. I don't mean necessarily legally, because I would argue even then there's not, it's, it's, it's surreptitious, it's financial attacks. But my point is, they have been under threat, occupation, bases, you know, it's, it's been ongoing forever. My point, though, is they don't know that. They love to just blindly say Iran because that, I guess they feel like that's a justifiable argument to carry out war crimes. Israel bombs Syria every 30 seconds, being facetious, because they say Iran's there. Well, Iran's allowed to be there. They're not breaking any law. You just don't like that. So it just shows you how willful they are about breaking the law because they think they can. But I think that's slightly changing. But the point is, troops in the Middle East are illegally occupying territory. So they're not terrorists. I mean, I, I don't know their individual aspects. I mean, the act of fight, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the acts of fighting against them are not terrorist acts. Those are justified and legal under international law. I don't want anybody to die, whether they're U.S. Sit, sit military or anybody else. But my point is, if that happens, it's because of the illegal occupation. It's the fault of your government and the military. So as they're now redeploying people to Syria, well, what are they doing? They're sending young 18 to 24-year-olds to be valid military targets in the Middle East. For what? For an illegal occupation, for stealing resources. They're, right now, that's all we're talking about. They're not actively engaged in some kind of operation other than maintaining their illegal state. And now because people are acting, they're acting like we're under threat. Well, they're a threat. You're a threat to the occupant. If you were to move away from this, that wouldn't be a problem. The argument they make is that somehow the next are going to come after America. That is the lie they tell unwilling, ignorant Americans that don't understand the situation. I'm not going to say that attacking is anything's possible. The reason this is happening is because of the illegal actions of the states and other countries doing the same. Now, High Impact Flicks already pointed out the same thing, already issuing a worldwide caution, which I don't have never even seen before. Well, maybe once before, I forget now, but the point is they're basically saying that around the world, U.S. citizens are at threat, which it's quite frankly the other way around when you understand what's been going on. <clears throat> but he also points out that they've been brainwashing us repeatedly with Israel's 9-11, Israel's 9-11, Israel's 9-11, over and over and over. So as we now see today, two more rockets that land inside an Iraqi base, they claim uh, inside of U.S. housing U.S. forces. The point is, again, those are forces that are illegally occupying Iraq, period. There's no debating that. Because, I mean, even though the idea that this is some sort of ongoing mission, you don't, the point is, just like with the Palestinian thing, you could argue that during, and that's how the international law will frame this, that during an, a, a war, territory gets occupied all the time. The point is you're supposed to, which no to these people, no government in the world, I think, follows the law. You're supposed to remove. You're supposed to back away and let things return. It doesn't happen. They're doing the same thing in Syria, in Iraq, every location around the world that they pretend they're fighting for freedom, except weirdly, every one of those locations are some of the most dangerous in the world. Afghanistan, Libya, on and on and on. My point is, those rockets fired are an act of rebellion. 
against military forces. I know that's uncomfortable for some people because they want to act like when I'm supporting the bad guys, it's just that just don't be ignorant. I'm supporting the obvious stat reality of the facts. And the same thing in Syria. So when this gets framed as acting like we're under attack because of Israel, like that we're on, like they're fighting all of us because we're on the side of good. It's just, it's, it's an illusion we're being sold. Huge explosions rock Syria. We should, by the way, guys, we should also ask whether this is even happening. I know that might upset people as well, but we've been lied to repeatedly by our own government. But Sputnik is reporting there's been an explosion in a Syrian base, but or yeah, in a U.S. base in Syria. But the PMU and different groups are ideologically aligned with Iran, but are not controlled by Iran, as far as I can tell. The bottom line is that this is a group that has been actively attacked because of narrative multiple times by, Israel, by the United States and Israel, for that matter. They bomb there all the time. So as this continues to progress... I think the fact that they're now walking this stuff back over here is indicating that they are losing control of this around the world. And I think that they very much see that people, whether or not they get involved, they know that this is involving, if this comes to it, Syria, Iran, Lebanon, Hezbollah involved with Lebanon, and then even Russia and China. <clears throat> and the point is <clears throat> that they can't win that. Just, I mean, plenty of experts out there will tell you that. Now, they also write the Washington Post reports that the U.S. is preparing for the possibility. I love that kind of statement. Preparing for the possibility that hundreds of thousands of Americans, citizens will require evacuation from the Middle East if the current conflict cannot be contained. OK, well, think about this for a second. Is that because that they were there? Well, no. Right. We, now we suddenly see something that happened and now they're going, oh, now there's a problem. Well, that would very clearly imply that their their presence was not a problem until you guys acted belligerently. Right. Because I mean, that's what's ultimately happening. We're seeing all these things spinning out of control. But I really don't even think there's necessarily a threat to average people, because I think most of these people around the world are very clear that it's your government we're talking about. But I ultimately think. I ultimately think that this is kind of trying to get more action to make it seem like trying to garner support for what's going on because they're losing it. Here's just the Washington Post, U.S. readies plans for mass evacuations. Well, I mean, look, I'm not talking about civilians, but if we're talking about getting rid of their militaries, then good. The best possible thing that could happen is for the U.S. government to remove all of its occupations and military bases from other people's countries. All of those people out there that are lost in two-party paradigm are going, yeah, it's so stupid. They're going to invade us all because... You are probably a racist or people that think that they're everyone hates your freedom. <laughs> Go back to 2001. Those things don't work anymore. But and as it, oops, oh, shoot, I had a note there that I just lost. Let me see if I can bring that back up. Let me make sure I didn't lose that. Hold on. Sometimes I write those notes for myself to make sure. Oh, yeah, I'm glad I remembered that. OK, so the point here is as they're as they're writing this. And all the plans to remove all these people, and because that was the point right here. Officials said that they, they, the more than 600,000 Americans living in Israel and Lebanon, so they're not even talking about everywhere else. Israel and Lebanon are of particular concern, but they stress that the operation of magnitude is the worst case scenario. Well, okay, what about the Americans in Gaza? Yeah, doesn't that show you the truth? Quick, quick, get all these Americans out of Israel and Lebanon. We don't even talk about the Palestinian Americans in Gaza, or as they mentioned, the British uh, Palestinians. Don't they, I mean, it's, isn't, that, isn't it embarrassing that you're going to freak out about what they're at risk? Well, right now, these Americans in Gaza are being bombed indiscriminately by Israel, and you don't even talk about it. 
It just shows you how broken all this is, how much they are completely controlled by outside forces. Now, let's get into some of the, the breaking down of the lies right now, I think is very important. Now, we've just talked about this. Uh, this is an Israeli platform that said, and we went over this in the last show, that because of the denialism of what things that we've yet to have proven, that's kind of an interesting statement, but they're saying that they we were finally going to release all this terrible footage, which I don't believe for a second they would have released this everywhere like they already have many other things, by the way. And, there, and by the way, it's interesting they make that claim, seeing as how there's, I mean, every other post right now on Twitter seems to be dead children and dead people, which don't seem to be mo- removed. So just remember that also for another point we'll make in a second, that it's a hollow claim to say that we waited because of our terms of service or whatever. But as we were watching this on, on the 22nd, we heard at the end that they said, oh, it's going to be a private screening. And I said, of course it is. At this moment, we should not be blindly trusting anything. And that's exactly what ultimately happened. Joe Tom Confino, who apparently is the editor at the Jewish News UK and, of course, BBC World and CNN, CBS, Sky News, you know, all the trustworthy outlets, right? I just saw indescribable raw footage of Hamas's massacre along the thundered, along with a hundred other international journalists provided by Israeli authorities. Here are the notes I took. I mean, just, well, I'm not to say, I, my point is, I don't know. I, why would I just take your text on Twitter as absolute fact? Couldn't you be wrong? Couldn't they have deceived you? But see, my point is even asking those valid objective questions are framed like you're disgracing or disparaging all that happened. That's not true. You're lying. That's not even that's not even remotely what I'm saying. But the point is asking objective questions are framed as crazy because that's how obvious this is. It's sort of like saying, what about civilians? You're a terrorist. That's how obvious that is. That's losing control, guys. But he seems to be convinced. Hamas terrorists screaming all Akbar as he frantically tries to behead a dead man with a shovel. Now, there's comments underneath this already that go, well, that's not true. That was a tie, you know, whatever. The point is that they're already seeming to report in, dis- in, uh, in uh, inconsistencies with what other people have already proven. But that doesn't surprise me. But he goes on to list a whole bunch of stuff. It's not even worth my point is, I can't verify any of this. And we've already been lied to. So I think it's really interesting that this is how this goes forward. But here's the thing directly from Times of Israel. IDF shows foreign press, Hamas body cam videos, which, look, I'm not saying I can prove one or the other. I don't know why it makes sense that they would have worn body cams to begin with. Just based on how they operate everywhere else, with the utmost of security, because they know they're being monitored, it does make sense to me. But it's certainly possible. But we should then question whether that was something that was taken advantage of. And I have an argument to make about one of them. Oh, I don't think I included it today. But there's videos from this weird South Responders group that's on Telegram that seems to be even where Israel got one of these videos, which seems very strange to me. I'll show you what I mean. Oh, I think I do have one of them. The point is that why why wouldn't we ask whether some of this was faked or whether there was a simultaneous act? Because I still argue that we... A lot of Israelis are wondering why it even, how it's even possible this happened. 15 locations, hours of no activity. Okay, then the point would be, it's a valid question to ask whether this was something that was either allowed to happen, which means that they were involved, and they could have faked other things to blame it on the group that they led in to some degree, or it could have been something that was meant to be a small act that then they took advantage of. I don't know. The point is, neither do they, neither do you. So we shouldn't assume anything. But they let them in and showed them stuff that we don't get to see. Now, they show you things like this that they have released. As it says, here's one minute of footage that has been approved for mass publication. <laughs> really? 
And all you ultimately see is something you can't verify. So yes, it looks like somebody hitting somebody with a car. Of course, Twitter is just absolutely rid- weird how Twitter is really bad when it comes to videos of certain teams, certain groups, but super fast when it comes to things that, you know, you know, the same point. But yeah, Twitter sucks apparently, so it won't load. But the point is, it shows somebody hitting somebody. Okay, well, if you're one of these people that blindly assume, like a journalist at Times of Israel, that what you're being shown is what they tell you it is, well, then you're going to report that. Here's video of Hamas hitting somebody with no disregard. Okay, well, how do I know that? I don't see who it is, what's going on. You get my point? But that's the kind of stuff we're seeing. You know, okay, so here's one of the one of the things I think is interesting. You get a, occasional videos where you see these people with the green head, the green uh, head uh, bandana on and different things. Now, I find that interesting because I've seen a lot of footage that, that we have seen in regard to, which again, seems to suggest that maybe there were body cams, but I just don't know why any of that makes sense. But like Dan Cohen, for example, put out video of them originally going through a fence. But what I see are very different uniforms a version of the Hamas uniform. But what I see the videos, they seem to be wearing all black with the green scarf, which is not what I see in most of the videos that seem to be confirmed as them. But it does seem to be what you might present as what Hamas does look like in other circumstances, which would suggest possibly that it was what they presented as Hamas because that's how they see them. Just a thought, right? Objectivity, just asking a possibility, which bothers so many people. I love it because objectivity is important. But let's also not forget that they're still putting out these fake conversations. This, this, this is a new version of these, right, from the same group. I'll show, I actually have this in a second. Another version of the same group that put out the other one that's been proven to be false. Proven. By, I think BBC had its own Arabic dialect experts that said that's clearly not Gaza, and they proved that it was, in fact, recorded in two different locations or two separate recordings and put together. That's been proven, guys. Of course, you're not going to hear it on corporate media. Think of, and that's, like, not, not, I mean, like, Fox, CNN, news on the TV. But BBC reported it. Well, this is my point, though. None of this is verifiable. But we, I guess we trust the writer from the uh, Jewish News UK and BBC and Times of Israel and CBS News. Really? We can't be that stupid. Oh, yeah. So here's one of the ones I'm talking about. So this one was put out by, which, by the way, I forgot to mention this. This is very strange to me. This is not the, this is the Israel account. The State of Israel official Twitter account. Not, not the... Like there's mul- there's an account for the Israel government. There's an account for the IDF. And it's just weird. Like there's not like a United States Twitter account. <laughs> I find that odd. There's the U.S. government. There's the Israeli government. But they put a, just an Israel state account. I find that strange. Either way, the point is, what is this one, by the way? Just another graphic. The point is, though, this was put out. And the video simply shows, as you'll see, a, a, a person you can't identify shooting a gun into a house, which you can't even see the person. And this is supposed to be evidence. I mean, rather proof. It's not evidence of what? I don't know. Logically, by the way, before it even goes, based on what we understand, it would we, the logical assumption would be it is Hamas firing it at a house in, in kibbutz. I, I can say, of course, that's the logical assumption, but it's still an assumption without more evidence. And it, for though you can't really hear it, the, the person just moan, moans in the background, which that if that's a person dying, that's terribly sad. But my point is, who shot, who's firing? That's all you get. And then interestingly enough, you see somebody shooting, it seems that like at them, and they kind of move away. 
Well, that doesn't make much sense with the narrative that it's Hamas, unless there's IDF members around, but we know there weren't. So, or maybe it's a, a settler or somebody in their house. I don't know. Either way, my point is, that's the point. We don't know. But it says, these sadistic monsters film their crimes against humanity with GoPros, and some of you asking for proof. Yeah, you're damn right we're asking for proof, because you've lied many times already. And that doesn't prove anything. But here's what's interesting. This, the state of Israel, shared the video, which apparently was posted by Michael A. Horowitz, who is from, uh, he's the geopolitical and security analyst, head of Intel, which is a whole conversation to get into, which I think is a compromise. My point is, he shared this along with other videos, which are all similar videos, like the same stuff. You can't really see what's going on. Oh, and here's one of those I was talking about. You get, there's one of the few where you actually see them in the video. Is it right here? Hold on. Right here, I think. I notice right there. That's not what I see everywhere else. What you see on video, and if you look up Hamas and certain images, it doesn't mean they could have just dressed differently. I don't know. My, my point is just pointing out a discrepancy that I see in most of the videos I can confirm. We see people dressed in mostly camo. But if you look up Hamas in most locations online, you'll find the black and the green headscarf. So I just thought that was interesting. Just maybe a point that suggests that these were faked by IDF or something like that, which Israelis are making arguments about. But almost everything you see are these first person camera shots with no evidence of who's shooting or what's happening. And they all seem to come from this South First Responders Telegram channel. That seems super official, doesn't it? Where'd they get it from? Did Israel release this? I mean, none of this makes any sense. If they just screened random things, why does this random Telegram channel have some of them that aren't graphic? It doesn't make much sense to me. That's, so my point overall, guys, is this is just not proof at all. This is more evidence that makes sense if you frame it through the narrative that you say happened. Right? If we didn't have any idea what was going on, we'd be like, who's shooting? What's happening? Where is that? Right? They fill in every one of those points with their narrative and go, proof. Certainly could be. Doesn't feel like that to me. Now, Brock just put up a great clip from one of our recent shows examining these really false flag evidence. Now, this goes over the verifiable, uh, or, or two things. It goes over the potential of this being a false flag to begin with, right? And the idea about Israeli uh, civilians and IDF members saying this feels like something that was allowed to happen. But then we also go over what appears to be a ongoing false flag about the bombing of the church, the bombing of the hospitals, or the, the Ali hospital, where they keep acting like it was Hamas, and we can prove that it wasn't. Multiple investigations have now proven forensically that it was not. Just like with Ukraine, they just move forward. And narrative speakers will be narrative speakers. That's what they do. Here is another example. I won't play it. It's 10 minutes long. Another I, former IDF member speaking the truth, to his, what he believes, that this was not possible. 15 locations all this time. And he goes over a lot of interesting points. And he simply makes the same argument that, this, that they let this happen. Very interesting. Or were involved more specifically in however he, to what degree is up to, it doesn't really make exactly clear, but very much does not think this was just Hamas taking advantage. Very, very important. Now, here's another important one that goes over the hostages. Dan Cohen puts this out. You've probably seen this. It's all over. And it's not getting a lot of attention from specific people because it's really hard to, other than them trying to pretend, you know, assuming, which is what these people are known for. That's what you need to understand. You put out stuff like this, which is the images of the hostages coming away from Hamas. And what do they do? They're probably lying because they have their husbands or they're, they're making this story up because of X, Y, and Z. Oh, so you're assuming into something because that lines up with your narrative? Yes, guys, make sure you know. They could be right. The point is they don't know, but they're screening their assumption because that makes them, in their minds, on the right side. 
So make sure you recognize that. If they do it now, they're going to be showing their assumptions as fact the entire time they cover anything. So Dan Cohen writes, when the Israelis were taken captive on October 7th, he explained that they would be treated properly and not abused. That was his opinion. But I again, I agree with the larger point about the current state of what Hamas appears to be. But those are hard to prove things, and it's a very complicated situation. I'll go into it again, the history of who created them. Israel and the United States, largely Israel. The point, though, is that based on one thing you even hear on this is that they, you know, their religious perspectives, they argue, and Robert makes the same point, Vanessa Bealey's made the same point, that mostly they would not do this for multiple reasons. One, their personal religious beliefs, but secondly, that they want their hostages back. So Dan Cohen made the same argument. They would not be abused. Now, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be, you know, like let's say IDF members are taken, are people that are being hostile in return, that they wouldn't get beaten up, or maybe just Hamas members decided to rough them up. I'm not saying that's something I agree with, but what I'm saying is that a military target is taken hostage and bound and held. I mean, at the very least, we must know that's something that happens far worse on the Israeli side on a daily basis. Not that it means it's justified on any side, but for perspective, as the, as the elderly lady just released by Hamas gives statements to the press saying she was treated well, fed, and given shampoo and conditioner, his analysis holds up, he says. I agree. Let's go over some of this. Now, this is the video he put out. Hamas just massacred Israel's Hamas equals ISIS narrative. Here's the video. There, there's no volume, so just, just, just it's just, uh, just the uh, video. Now, I mean, obviously, this is filmed for a reason, right? So you could certainly argue it's possible this was fake, right? They did this in order to whitewash what they're doing to others. That's true. Of course, ask these questions. Question everything. Very strange why that's beeping. It's okay. Let's go. It's okay. Let's go. Shakes his hand. She shakes his hand and she says, Shalom. Oops. It's playing in the background in the other video. Sorry. Now, look, it's cert- it's obviously a possibility that that was something that was produced, but that's the Red Crescent taking her, right? And they and they bring her back and then she, te- and we'll go to next. She speaks to, the, speaks to the public and says, they treated me well. Now, I'm sure you could manufacture or consider or you know, you could make ju- legitimately. I, don't, I, well, I was going to say make up. I don't mean it in the way that you lie about it, but you could find a logical con- uh, connection to why they might lie about this. But that doesn't mean that's what's happening. All of the evidence thus far points to very interesting, like other than the narrative that I again have yet to see fully proven. I mean, I mean, in the sense of like the worst of the arguments, the massacres, the rape, all, all I so far really see are hostages. And then people that were killed in the exchange. Now, we've also had that undermined by the possibility of crossfire by the IDF, which I've proven on video. You can see it happening. That doesn't mean that all of it was di- they died because of that. But I also wouldn't put it past any of these governments from hurting their own people to justify their own actions. But either way, my point is I've just yet to see it proven, which matters. Meanwhile, we can see an ongoing daily moment-to-moment onslaught of civilians in Gaza that's backed up by the United Nations. Doesn't that feel a little different? So now we have them released, some of them, which doesn't add up with you know, their narrative at all. 
that they're all bloodthirsty maniacs murdering and raping everybody. It just doesn't seem to add up. And uh, Solomon Ahmad points out the releasing prisoners said Hamas treated them well and, 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 and that Israeli soldiers killed their own. She said, Al-Qasim fighters treated us humanely and did not kill any civilians, but it was the Israeli occupation army that killed Israeli civilians during the clash with fighters from Gaza. Right? There's a reason a lot of this is not being covered. Now, this one is the just, oh, this, this is the uh, d- uh, director of Electronic Intifada saying that she, same, just making sure we see this, that she turned, her name, it's uh, Yaakoved uh, Lifshitz, turns around, shakes the hand of the Kasim Brigade's soldier and says, Shalom as she's transferred to the Red Cross. Excuse me, Red Cross, not Red Crescent. The resistance are keeping their promise and safely returning home all detaining non-combatants as conditions allow. That's, that's what he's saying, which, again, seems to kind of be what's happening. There's, that's not, this is, there's more than one elderly civilian captor that is, has been released. Now, here's a clip from uh, Al Jazeera talking about the same discussion. Israeli captives who's been released by the armed wing of Hamas on Monday evening has been telling her story. Hochevid Lifshitz is one of two elderly women released for what Hamas says were humanitarian reasons. Their husbands, though, remain behind, detained in Gaza. Their release followed mediation efforts from Qatar and Egypt. Well, let's speak to Alan Fisher. He joins us now from occupied East Jerusalem. Alan, one of those captives, as as we've been saying, has been speaking out about the trauma of her capture and also what it was like in, in detention. How is all that being received? Yakovez Livchitz gave a fairly graphic description of her more than two weeks uh, after being captured by Hamas. It was a Saturday morning, the 7th of October. She was near her home, very close to the Gaza border, when she suddenly saw men coming across through a hole in the fence, a fence that she essentially said wasn't worth the millions of dollars that had been spent on it. Suddenly, she was bundled onto the back of a motorbike and was heading to Gaza. And very graphically, she explained her journey there. I went through hell, something I didn't think human beings would do to one another. I have never gone through anything like it in my life. They arrived at the kibbutz and kidnapped us, taking us to surrounding fields. The young men beat me and hurt me, and they took my watch and jewelry. They were riding motorbikes and took us to the entrance of a tunnel. When they arrived, they told us that they believed in the Quran and wouldn't do anything bad to us. We walked through the tunnels and reached a large hall where about 20 people were gathered. Then they separated us and took one group to another room. There was a doctor with us, another doctor who came every three days, and a nurse who examined us and gave us the same medicines that we get at home. We were accompanied by a young man on a bike whose hands and legs were injured and who deserved mercy. They provided us with everything we needed and were afraid of diseases spreading. They were also very friendly and shared their food with us. Alan, we understand that Netanyahu today has also met with the French president, Emmanuel Macron. How is that visit being seen? The latest in the world leaders to make their way to show their support for Israel. He met with the Israeli president and then one-on-one with Benjamin Netanyahu and then an extended meeting with both sides bringing in their advisors. What was interesting is that Macron, President Macron said that the alliance that was put together to fight 
uh, ISIL could be reassembled and brought on to fight Hamas. That mm. might find some opposition in the international coalition. There's certainly a huge reluctance among the Americans to bring anything close to boots on the ground here. Right. And this is the important point. You know, Macron is just a globalist puppet as far as I'm concerned. I think that doesn't have any real, you know, somebody else would be making that decision for him, I would argue. The idea being, though, that it's just like, sure, we'll, let's just recreate the ISIL. That's alarming. But this is why I think the walking back of what you know the U.S. and other groups are saying is showing you that they're terrified to do it, just like he's pointing out, because ultimately that will then draw in everybody else. Right. But France is just kind of, you know, trying to get their own political points right now. But here is, again, uh, the director of uh, Electronic Intifada, who transcribed himself what, what Yashiv uh, Yushaved said. Now, it is interesting. And I, it's important that we hear both, because I think what it is, is, it's not actually, I think it's a combination of two things. And this is just that one statement from, this, from the video they just played. It says, I went through hell, something I didn't think human beings would do to one another. I have never gone through anything like it in my life. They arrived at kibbutz and kidnapped us, taking us to surrounding fields. Now, that very well could be the what people shouldn't do to each other and gone through in my life. A young man beat me and hurt me. And I took my, I took my watch and jewelry. So right there is a good example. What later happened to her is very clear that the entity, whoever's in control, the high or the, whoever was the leading person there kept them safe, gave them food. As I'll read to you right out of the translation, which you just heard him say, but whoever was in charge, whoever grabbed her to begin with, Clearly, it seems like they weren't supposed to take her in the first place as they're now getting the elderly. And like the point is that that could be, as I keep pointing out, the actions of an individual. Maybe that's why we see things that were bad that happened because they're just random individual Hamas members that decided to take advantage of the situation, which happens in every war around the world, which every one of them should be condemned and they should be accountable for their actions. We, my point is, in every we, the IDF does it in Palestine every 30 seconds, but the U.S. government and their wars, again, I go over this every time. Just go over what happened in Iraq to understand what our, per, our U.S. military was capable of. Individual, I mean. The actions of rape and murder and theft everywhere that they still refuse to even look into. My point, though, is that then we see after this first kind of beating her up, which maybe I don't, it doesn't, she doesn't look like she's hurt. So I'm thinking maybe just kind of roughing her up and took her jewelry. Then it says when they arrived, the group told them that they believed in the Quran which their point is that we, that's why we don't hurt people. That's the argument and wouldn't do anything bad to them. She says, we walked through the tunnels and reached the large hall where 20 people were gathered. They then separated us and took one group to another room. There was a doctor with us. I mean, any of these things completely challenge everything they're saying. Another doctor who came every three days, a nurse who examined us and gave us some medicines that we get at home. We were accompanied by a young man on a bike whose hands and legs were injured and who deserved mercy. They provided us with everything we needed and were afraid of disease spreading. They were also very friendly and shared their food with us. That is not what has ever happened in Palestine. Or excuse me, in Israel for Palestinians, I mean. We need to understand that. Now, this is Sky News reporting the same thing, and I'll make a point about that in a second. Each person had a guard watching over her. They took care of all the needs. They talked about all kinds of things. They were very friendly. It's pretty, pretty staggeringly different than what we're being told. Now this, oh, and this was just the uh, same kind of thing, the translation, uh, same point, I think. Yeah, it was, that's interesting. So he has a little bit of a different translation. I, the points are the same. They said they wouldn't hurt us. They said they would treat us like those around them. We were under strict supervision. A medic and a doctor came to ensure that we had the medicines we always take. They were very interested in our health, and they attached a doctor who would visit every two to three days. 
uh, there's one difference. They very kind and made sure we ate well. We ate the same food as them, which again, I think is important. It's not the same as we've seen anywhere else. We were treated well and they paid attention to every detail. They had women with us who understood feminine hygiene and made sure we had everything we needed. I mean, guys, you just don't see stuff like this unless this is what people like Dan Cohen were telling you the entire time. But it says the inefficiency of the army and the shin bet hurt us a lot. We were sacrificed lamb for the government. See, these are things that you're not going to get in the corporate media translations. I think there's a reason for that. Now, Dan Cohen points this out on the left. They gave us pita bread, hard cheese. Like there's a lot of different tweets and different clips, right? And, and cucumber, that was our food for the entire day. The point is, that's on the left, you got how Hamas treats captives, or at least in this certain this circumstance, this situation. On the right, how Palestinians are treated. Now, this is a, sort of a bad argument, I would say, because this is an example of this person being allowed to die because he's on a hunger strike. So it's his choice, essentially, but he's trying to make a political statement because of the 75 years of brutal occupation and murder and theft and rape. And so the point is he's trying to make a statement. But I have a better example of that here, as Alan McLeod points out, is a current example of what happens to Palestinians at the hands of West Bank settlers and the government, by the way. IDF settlers bind, strip, beat, burn, urinate three on three Palestinians in the West Bank. That, that's be, that's be, since October 7th. Disgusting. So there's your difference. Now, here's an interesting point. Here are some of the Hebrew-Israeli statements underneath the Sky News tweet. It says, factors involved in Israeli propaganda in recent days. The fact that Yeshivad, the, the woman who's speaking, was allowed, allowed to make a statement live was a mistake. Yeah. It is not certain that there was anyone who held a preliminary discussion on the subject and asked himself all the questions in the picture. This is how Sky News covered her statement. Well, they, didn't, they just literally posted what she said. Isn't that an interesting statement? No one, it, it, she, that she was allowed to make a statement was a mistake? Well, here's what somebody said in response to that. Why would she have, been, why would she have to be trained before she speaks? Isn't it important to hear her experience in her own words? That's another it, Israeli. Coaching her before seems like you wanted her to say to not say certain things in order to push an agenda. Yeah, it does. And this person commented saying, in response to his statement, translation, if it doesn't fit the narrative, we fed the public. Why didn't we get a chance to threaten her before her statement? You see the point? You see that people are free? It's, it's, they're framing this as a bad thing. I even saw people saying that she essentially should have lied because that, un, that puts at risk other Israel. I mean, what are you talking about? Now dishonesty, deceit are being framed as altruistic characteristics if you're on the side of what you claim is the right side. It's just unbelievable to me. Now here's, again, why I think this didn't happen. Remember, Hamas tried to give two hostages and Israel refused. It's probably why they had to give them to the, to the Red Cross. My point is, I think this is what they didn't want to happen. Israel didn't want them to come out and admit that they weren't being dealt and I look I know I this is probably upset a lot of people I didn't say I knew it would happen but I said I think it's likely or, or rather possible is what I said that the, specifically the religious Zionism party would probably hope or make happen that the hostages would die so that they could then justify action and say that's what they truly are I mean are we not seeing a part of that right now they refuse to take them back and then days later they they make they give them anyway and they come out and say they treated us nicely you know how that would work a lot better for the extremists in Israel? For them to die and claim they were tortured and murdered when really it was their bombing that killed them. Not saying that happened, 
saying just it's a possibility. Dan Cohen points out, the IDF says it can't show us evidence of the supposed beheaded unborn babies because of the platform guidelines. In reality, it's because the photos don't exist. Hamas didn't behead babies. End of story. Now, I agree with almost all of that. I can't say definitively they didn't because I can't prove that. But I can prove that we don't know because they've never given us evidence of it. And everybody, everywhere has walked back that story pretty much other than Ben Shapiro and the Israel. Right? That's what we're staring at. But this is from the IDF. Look at what it says. This would have been a photo of a lifeless pregnant woman next to her unbeheaded unborn baby cut out of her belly, which let's not forget is like a, a word for word narrative pulled from an, uh, a, F, a, a basically a complete massacre of Palestinians decades ago at the hands of Israelis, which is a provable thing. That was already broken down by a fact check on, Israel, on Twitter, of all things. But it says, cut. then it says, by Hamas terrorists, due to this platform's guidelines, we can't show you that. Oh, really? Well, we know that's not true, guys. We can see it everywhere on this platform. Dead babies, dead people, and even the worst, even some of the worst, just simply with a, with a warning on it. So that's a very hollow lie before we get into one of the most embarrassing lies I've ever seen put out. But this is what we keep seeing. This person, who's clearly trying to argue that Dan is wrong, says, what's wrong with you? And says, this is this a child with an axe stuck in its head. Don't worry. All you see is a white paper, white bag with a piece of what might be an axe sticking out of it. Why are people stupid enough to fall for something like that? I'm not saying it's not true. All I'm saying is, how in the world do you know what you're looking at? That looks like a white trash bag with something pointy barely poking out of it. You can't even make out the shape of a body. I'm not saying I want to see the gruesome reality. What I'm saying is there's a, we have every reason, as, as any journalist in the world, to make sure you verify what's being stated, especially in war. But to this guy, that's all you need. Here's a bag with something in it. You're a terrible person, Dan. I just don't understand how people can be that willfully stupid. Let's not forget, my point was, this Hamas 1 and 2 breakdown has been proven to not only be not people in Gaza, not Hamas, but also that they recorded them separately and then put them together as one recording. This, it's like they don't think people are going to check this stuff. And that was BBC reported that. And here's the newest version I just pointed out in the other show, or the other, the other tweet. Israeli foreign minister now just today plays a new phone call of Hamas militants calling his father and saying, Hey, I just killed 10 Jews. Are you proud of me? Like, that's not even logically what they're, I mean, it just, it's, this is, you know how I talk about people in independent media, how there's some of them that I think are, are like playing roles of what they want the independent media to look like. Well, this is the kind of thing we're seeing here. They're putting forward some of the most flimsy propaganda I've ever seen because it's what they think people think these people are or what they want you to see them as. That this is only about killing Jews, and he's, he's going to be super secure about everything he does, except right when he gets down, he goes, Dad, I just killed Jews. Are you proud of me? Like, guys, it's just ridiculous. Essentially, since we have examples of the exact same thing, like my point is, here's the group that we already showed you. This is the same group, the same recording, the same people putting it out, the Israeli Defense Force, with the same graphics and everything, where this has been proven to be a false, they lied. And now here they are doing it again. Based on my assessment. I just don't know why any of this adds up. Either way, I think we're being lied to about more than we could possibly understand right now. Let's talk about one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. This is the president of Israel who just recently said, there is nobody innocent in Gaza. Remember that. 
And by the way, what's hilarious, it's already fact-checked by Twitter, of all places. Well, let's watch this first. Israeli President Isaac Herzog claims Hamas terrorists who broke into Israel were carrying instructions on how to make chemical weapons. I mean, that's just that's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Here's what he says. Breaking news to bring you now. The president of Israel has told Sky News that some of the Hamas fighters who carried out the October the 7th attack were carrying instructions on how to make chemical weapons. Okay, so when, when Hamas steps up and says, here's what they did, do you just blindly report that as fact? No. The point is all these Western garbage media platforms, well, they were the ones that told you 40 had babies were beheaded until they later were like, oh, I guess we haven't proven that. Oops. The point is, you just breaking news. Here's something he's saying. Like, all you're doing is just giving what he's saying legitimacy. It's just embarrassing. Isaac Herzog says Israeli forces discovered the material on the body of dead fighters in Kibbutz Beri, <laughs> where many residents were killed. Or- in, in the same town, mind you. Right. Because it's all about that. It's about they want you to consider that they were going to gas or chemical people. It's all about trying to make the narrative that they're clearly forcing in that seems to be based on a lot of manipulation and lies to make sense. Kidnapped. The documents complete with diagrams were shown to our Middle East correspondent, Alistair Bunkle, in an exchange. Just to be clear, guys, I am in no way trying to undermine or downplay Israeli civilians that are suffering or have been suffering or had who've gotten killed or abused by what happened. Please do not connect that because what I'm laughing about right now is just how provably false this narrative is. And understand, I've already, I'm going to show you everything that's undeniable. So I just want to make that clear for those that have not yet realized that I care about any civilian life on any side. And I'm not in the game of left versus right or Israel versus Palestine. I stand behind civilians. And I think civilians in Israel, just like civilians in Gaza, are being manipulated by the Zionist Israeli government. Exclusive interview. Sky News is unable to independently verify those claims. Ah, maybe you say that to begin with, or maybe you don't report on this because you can't verify it. You know, (laughs) journalism. Herzog also said in the interview that much or most of Gaza is functioning. We should say, (laughs) my God, did you even check that? You even care? Because it's not true. That we have blurred a page which shows bomb making ingredients. (laughs) This is material which was found on the body of one of those sadistic villains. Oh, and let's not, let's, it's in English though, right? Because it's so common for people in, in any Muslim country or Arab country to write things in English, right? Al-Qaeda in English. It gets much better, guys. I mean, I just think that's, it's like this laminated printout from some like 1995 computer. It's really stupid looking. I don't know why they can't do better than that. It's Al-Qaeda material. Official Al-Qaeda material. Which, by the way, well, it doesn't matter. The the flag looks like ISIS. But the point is, ultimately, you're trying to make a connection between Al-Qaeda and Hamas because you're trying to make the ISIS-Hamas narrative work. That's what this, as well as trying to justify the fact that if chemical weapons are used, well, then it was them without any evidence, just like with Syria. We're dealing with ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and Hamas. This see, is what we're... See, and this also, I argue, is about trying to pull in U.S. government by giving them the justification to pretend like they can make this part of their war on terror. Because that's all that matters. If they claim ISIS and Al-Qaeda are involved, they can just invade your country and pretend they're fighting for freedom. Even though they can't. Legally, that doesn't even make sense. But that's what they say. So by giving them this, they can pretend that makes sense. That's where this gets, I think. That's why it's concerning to me. Dealing with. And in, those, in, and in this material, there were instructions how to produce chemical weapons. 
This is oh yeah. Make sure you blur it out. It's not like you can look this stuff up online, right? It speaks about our son, and it speaks. Uh, uh... You want my honest opinion, guys? I think they blurred this out because it doesn't show what they say it does. That's how completely corrupted I think the corporate media is. But either way, I'll show you that that's not real. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, guys. What they're holding, what he's holding up, is is a book. It's a cover for a book. I can prove it to you in ten seconds. About uh, uh, various chemicals. Uh, that uh, come out and produce chemical weapons. Simple as that. My God. I mean, it's just so simple as that. Just a quick printout from an Al Qaeda page, right? Like, like, but we're gonna blank out. The, I mean, it's just it's, it's. So here's the point. Even Twitter broke this down. If the Hamas terrorists had classified chemical weapons instructions, it is not the book Herzog holds. So he's and they. Here's my point. They even blanked it out. Because they're claiming that's the one, not some prop he's using, but the one. What he's holding is simply a biography of Ramzi Youssef, a terrorist responsible for the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, they claim. That's which, by the way, is another whole rabbit hole. Watch James Corbett. There so many lies. The book is Al-Qaeda propaganda, but not a weapons manual. It's right there. I mean, do they really think that we can't just look this stuff up? Unspecified author, provisions of jihad and Islam, Arabic, PDF. That's it. I mean, that's how dumb this is. And I got that in case they took that away. Now, Sky News reports from Jerusalem following his exclusive. Let's hear what they have to... I mean, based off that wildly unconvincing report, <laughs> it says, here's a book cover that I say is bad, that they we claim they had. And this is what they say afterwards. Well, as to joins me now live from uh, Jerusalem, Ali, how significant is this revelation about chemical weapons? Please tell us how important this is. Well, the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, uh, sits above party politics in Israel. He's not a member of the... <laughs> Can we just laugh at how stupid that is? He sits above, he's the president, but he just kind of somehow, he just revolves around the party politics. Gosh, people are so stupid for example, and over this past year with the controversy over judicial reforms, he's been pretty critical of the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. But um, this was evidence, he says, uh, that <laughs> instructions on how to build a chemical weapon were found on the bodies of Hamas fighters discovered in Kibbutz Beri, which was one of the worst-hit kibbutz near the Gaza border. We cannot verify those claims uh, ourselves, although I have put them to chemical weapons experts that I know, and some of them have said that in terms of if you know these ingredients were put together to make a chemical weapon, then it could make a viable chemical weapon. Wow. That, so instead of going, it's completely unverifiable, and we don't even know what... He, he, goes, he goes as far as to ask chemical weapons experts if the things they allude to are there... Would that make it? Yes. Then there you go. So it's meaningless. You've got another meaningless statement floated by somebody that is lied to us already that you can't verify. And by the way, if he's holding up actual instructions that were blurred out, well, they made that up because it's not in the book that he's pointing to. Like, this is how ridiculous all of this is. And we have to waste time exposing how flimsy this is. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. It's just really embarrassing. And yes, I included this because I almost used that for the image today, but I wanted it to be more serious. I mean, guys, this is how this is right out of the playbook. I mean, it's the same damn thing. 
which shouldn't surprise anybody because they're working together on these same things. After, and this is Jonathan Cook. After peddling the lie of Hamas beheading babies, Western media are once again promoting an easily debunked deception from Israel. President Isaac Herzog has says a Hamas fighter killed in Israel, which by, oh, I forgot, I do include my tweet. I'll hold off on that. There was a fighter that was killed in Israel that just happened to be carrying a manual on how to make chemical weapons. He goes, except the manual is not about how to make chemical weapons. It's a short online biography of Ramzi Youssef, who was jailed for trying to bomb the World Trade Center in 1993. Israel is trying to manipulate Westerners into thinking Hamas is the same as Al-Qaeda and, and ISIS. Why? So we will be more sympathetic to the idea of destroying Gaza and care less about Israel's campaign of atrocities. And I still also, I argue it's because that will give the opening show they want to take it, that the U.S. could claim it's an extension of the war on terror to destroy Gaza, right? I mean, I think that's the most logical. But then it says, even assuming this document is genuine, it's not planted evidence, oh, and not planted evidence, which again, even if it was chemical weapons, why would we believe that they would carry it with them? It suggests only that Hamas, caged into Gaza, like its other 2.3 million inhabitants, is trying to develop new guerrilla tactics to free Gaza from 15 years of slow-motion genocidal siege. Now, it doesn't mean he agrees with that, but even stating that, I would kind of argue, it's like, well, because if they were to make chemical weapons, that would not be legal, and it would not be armed resistance under the international law, right? So that it, it, I don't agree with that. But he's not saying he agrees with it either. He's just simply saying it could driven to desperation for 75 years of brutal occupation. That might be what they did. But he says the answer to that isn't to deepen the reasons for Palestinian grievance by speeding up the genocide. It's to stop the genocide. Now, here's what, here's what I said. So we're to believe that they had body cameras and were carrying Al-Qaeda issue instructions on how to make chemical weapons while they raided Israel? Seems plausible. You know, just in case they came across a lab mid-raid, right? Better to have it, not need it. I mean, that's how that's how this should be engaged with. This is comically stupid. Like, I mean, really, what do you think the logic? Did he just forget it? Was it in his pocket that day? I mean, it's just that dumb. This is simply another planted piece of evidence, in my opinion, that is meant to drive a narrative. And Liberty points out, about as believable as the apparently indestructible passport of the hijacker in 9-11. Exactly. And here's one more example, by the way. Steve talked about this this morning. So now that we've got the kind of rolling narrative of the fact that they're kind of now they're, they're also Al Qaeda and they're using chemical weapons and they're, they might be planning them somewhere. That's kind of this narrative in the U.S. has been floating that they might be lone actors around. Well, guess what? On the 22nd, the IDF says they continue to collect explosives and weapons of Hamas terrorists used for the October 7th massacre, which there's no evidence of. There's no evidence that any collect explosives were used. It says soldiers discovered a child's school bag. So all this, in my opinion, is meant to do. It's certainly possible that it's them, but we can't prove it. It's meant to make you go see they're using, they're, they're using schools and children and children items to trick people. We can't prove any of that. And you know who does do that on a regular basis? Israel. And we can prove that. The bag was booby-trapped containing a remote active explosive device. Hamas purposefully chose to booby-trap a child's backpack. So a well-intentioned civilian would pick it up. Right? They're trying to make them monsters. When in reality, I, this seems far more likely to be another lie like we just saw. Now, right here, what are we supposed to believe? That this is when they first discovered it? Or that they've already dealt with it and now they're showing you something? Either way, the story doesn't add up. Because if it was already something that they dealt with, they wouldn't be so tentatively dealing with it. And Or this is the first time they came across it and it doesn't make sense how they handle it. 
אצלנו פה בשטח. Not for a second. Now with the timing, now with the lies about every, multiple other arguments have already been shown to be lies. Then to, uh, well, actually make sure I don't have more. Okay, good. That is it. The finish here. Let's talk about Hamas again. The weird state of Israel account puts this out. Thread, for those of you new to Hamas, a bloodthirsty and barbaric terrorist organization, no different than ISIS, which it very much is in pretty much every way. Here's what you need to know. Well, first of all, if that's the case, let's just say that's the case. Well, didn't you create them? Uh-huh. So if that's what they are, isn't that your fault to some degree? Yes, it is. But they'll never say that today. Well, despite the fact that we know that as a matter of fact, right? Here's the Wall Street Journal. One of many different examples of evidence. 2009, how Israel helped to spawn Hamas. And the retired Israeli official, Cohen, says, Hamas, to my great regret, is Israel's creation. It's easy to prove, guys. Here's the Times of Israel from October 8th, one day after this started. For years, Netanyahu propped up Hamas. Now it's blowing up in our faces. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand how clear this Okay, so now going back, if they're saying this terrible, bloodthirsty group. Well, okay. I don't think that's what it truly is today. I think things have changed since you created them. But at the very least, if it is the case, well, then you're responsible. Right? I mean, it's, it's just interesting. How, this is why I think they're losing control of this. They go on to say Hamas's goal is not to create better lives for Palestinians. Their goal is to murder every last Israeli, create an Islamic state. Well, interesting that they didn't go as far as to say every Jew. I think the reason they're doing that, which is what everyone else has been saying, is because they want every Israeli, which there's, a, there's plenty of Israelis that aren't Jewish, which I think that's they're realizing that they're boxing out parts of their own support structure. Right? The point is that they to argue they just want to murder everybody there. Again, either that's your responsibility for creating a group like that, or today we can prove they're not the same way, which I think it's the latter. I think that there are still factions, like Vanessa points out, that are questionable, but ultimately it is a group that is, is changed and people have come in and out of, and the structure has changed and people in control have changed to where now it's fighting on the side of the resistance. But I, I can't prove that. I don't know. It's based on a lot of moving parts, and we have to come to our best conclusion about it. But either way, what I think they're framing it as now is not true, but either way, they're culpable for the creation of it. They go on to say Hamas is used, has used every imaginable barbaric method to slaughter men, women, children, and toddlers and babies. Well, suicide bombings and the rest of this, I mean, a lot of this stuff you can prove ties right back to Israel to begin with, quite frankly, as even Avi Shalom, I played with again today, admits that Zionists admitted to him they were using these tactics against Jews to help create the state of Israel. But the interesting part about it is, is again, either they're created or something that they are lying about to begin with, or if they're doing it today, it's not Palestinians' fault. Which again, I'm not going to defend the individual actions of everybody because anybody's capable of this stuff. But evidence is what really matters. Hamas has controlled the entire Gaza Strip in 2007, which is not even accurate, but it's not the, I've gone over that many times. They've used every civilian resource available. And here's the point that Robert's broken down. 
The idea that they have dug up water pipes is all they're really showing you. Well, it turns out those weren't water pipes in Gaza. They were water pipes on illegal settlements that were near that, right? And they dug those up because they weren't using them. And it also proves that they had water pipes installed to the settlements that were right next to them, and yet they can't do it for them. It's just, it's always a lie with this, guys. Hamas is so bent on butchering Israelis, they say, that they hide behind their own citizens. Well, the UN, as Robert also debunked, and the United Nations made this argument that they proved their investigation showed that Hamas was not using human shields. Doesn't mean they didn't do it somewhere they couldn't see, but the UN literally investigated and came to the conclusion they weren't doing that. Don't these things matter? I'm not blindly trusting anybody, but the the data matters. And yet, as we've shown you, Israel has an open policy of using children and other Israelis when they go to confront other Palestinians. Or other Palestinians when they go to confront other Palestinians. It's I've already shown you on this show. So it's sort of accusing that of them of that, which you are guilty, isn't it? And on, and on top of that, let's realize that if you want to pretend that they're using people in Gaza's human shields, well, that doesn't make sense, seeing as how they're all put there and they're not allowed to leave. So you're putting them there. You're essentially supplying those shields if that's what you think is happening. But on top of that, the real situation is how... Israel brings in civilians to its illegal occupied territory, just like U.S. is doing in Syria. So what does that do? That means you're bringing in people as human shields to defend what would be a legal location to strike because of international law. Funny how this has been so contorted. Children in Gaza are brainwashed, they say, by Hamas to murder civilians. Well, here's the thing. I guarantee you there are people that are being manipulated by Hamas or anybody else to have a very specific view. But to pretend that every person in Gaza wants to murder Israelis is simply not true. And I think we can prove that on a daily basis. But on the reverse, you can also prove that there are Israelis that are radicalizing young kids to be anti-Palestine in general. But that's nothing new. The U.S. government, I mean, every government in the world actively tries to indoctrinate the youth to be what they want them to be. The real question is whether Hamas is controlling all the children, which I don't think is even provable or even likely. But on top of that, that whether... Palestine thinks that because that's who they're actively bombing. Then it goes on to say that their mission is to exterminate Jews. And you show clips of individuals stating things like this does not prove that everybody there thinks that or that every Hamas member even thinks that. This is about cultivating a narrative. And let's not forget all these old, out of crap, like old pixels, like out of focus videos from a decade ago are largely from people that were at the time when we can clearly prove Israel was in control of Hamas. Tells you something. Hamas equals ISIS and these barbaric, that's what they keep saying, barbaric bloodthirsty terrorists have proven that they're willing to burn children alive. One of the claims that we have shown was an artificially intelligent created image. Decapitate innocence, which again, they're still going with these narratives, which we everyone's walked back and I believe is a false story. Raping women is something that Roberts covered. We can't, there's no evidence or rather no proof. There's a few data points that seem to suggest it might have happened, but we can't prove it. If you're a journalist and you're reporting these things and you haven't proven it, then shame on you and commit the most horrific atrocities to achieve their goals. Well, sounds like you're describing what you guys have done throughout your illegal occupation of Palestine. As Max Egan points out, Israeli terrorist and breaks down the condition of being a war criminal and committing crimes against humanity by attacking loving and peaceful civilian communities. You know, of course, the idea being that everybody there would be that I disagree with, but the point is the same. You're indiscriminately bombing a civilian location. Now, if, and again, I'll include this. If you want to go through this breakdown, it's an investigation going over these different telegram channels of Israeli settlers and different Israeli people actively celebrating, laughing, and cheering about the most horrific things you'll ever see. 
I mean, it's disgusting. You can go through these, watching them de- mutilate dead bodies. And, I'm, and the point is, as they're, they're claiming they just saw a, a Hamas member trying to decapitate someone with a shovel, well, take a glance down these disgusting videos and watch how you see settlers and average Israelis just beating up dead bodies or uh, laughing about the destruction and murder of children. It's horrific. And here's Dan Cohen doing the same thing on a different Telegram channel, showing you as they laugh about the destruction and murder and rape and pillage, and then make sure you know that it's gone back more than a year. That's important. Now, the Oversight Committee points out something very important as well, right? That as we know that Hamas has been propped up by Israel, which by default then means the United States, as we are now finding out, what do you know? The same thing we see everywhere. Oops, U.S. weapons are in their hands. How'd that happen? Must have been bad guys. Well, probably not, though. How about we realize that this right here means either that the U.S. government is funding and supporting Hamas with weapons like they always have, or two, that because of their clumsy actions around the world in Ukraine and elsewhere, that they just ended up in their hands anyway. Either way, that is ridiculous, and it's always the fault of these clumsy people acting like they're trying to bring freedom to the world when what they're doing is creating the strife. Ukrainians, if it is Hamas, right, the point being that their narrative is these guys are bad, but yet here's weapons that we put in their hands. It just says there are emerging reports that Hamas and other terrorist organizations may have obtained American-made weapons. Like that's somebody else's fault. If true, this is unfortunately not the first time these resources have been purchased by American tax dollars have fallen into the wrong hands. Right. Recently released photos show Hamas terrorists allegedly holding what appeared to be M4A1 carbines, 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 which were specifically designed for U.S. special forces. Right. It's far more likely that Israel's arming them, guys, or that this was part of another example of how what happened on the 7th was not what we thought it was. Previously, the CIA reportedly provided Stinger anti-aircraft missiles to the Afghan Mujahideen, which were later obtained and utilized by the Taliban. Or, come on, guys. I mean, it's just not that hard to put together. More recently, the Taliban released videos and photographs of their members flying these black ops. Yeah, why? Come on. I mean, it's not, they left everything for them anyway. A recent defense intelligence, of, it, it, same, you, go, you get it, Ukraine, everywhere. They're now realizing or making the argument that this is by some kind of clumsy mishap where we just keep allowing our weapons to end up in the very people who pretend to the bad guys, or you're watching, Carbine, thank you, or you're watching the wag the dog situation. They're literally arming and using and creating the groups that they then point at to justify their action around the world. Israel too. If that's what's happening. Either way, it's pretty ridiculous. Now, here is Robert's recent article about uh, specifically about the water pipes I mentioned. And you could read that if you want. Then here's this, just his general tags. You can read all of his articles. I think it's important. Here's something to end with. A growing number of reports. This is from uh, Mondewice. A growing number of reports indicate Israeli forces responsible for Israeli civilian and military deaths following the October 7th attack. So that means during that and then ongoing forward. Isn't that what she just said, that she got released? Isn't that what numerous civilians are pointing out, that they ended up shooting people? It wasn't Hamas. We've got four different people now that have said that on the record. And we're still debating this. And you, this is an important, you read this for yourself. And I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna probably revisit that due to time. We're, I wanted to keep this shorter today. We're only past two hours just now. But to finish, the, the reality being, guys, that we can prove that many of these examples are not as simple as they made them out to be. That their own forces either accidentally or deliberately shot civilians and their own military. 
how are we still pretending like this is what we were told? And that's why I think this is coming out and people are starting to get nervous about where they're standing. Very important clip here. Former director of Mossad, first of all, admits that what we all know, if you watch the show, that they aided Al-Qaeda members in Syria. Interestingly enough, uh, the person, what's his name? Uh, you'll see him again. The guy's a complete lunatic, in my opinion, on MSNBC, who they sidelined at the beginning of this. This is an old clip. Talks about how, they, how Israel helped Al-Qaeda fighters in Syria. So right now, as they're trying to pretend that Al-Qaeda is fighting them, let's realize how dumb that is. But also, and also since we know U.S. and Israel are involved with creating them, Ben Swan, James Corbett, they've nailed this down. But also what he says in there about helping your enemies is going to be especially relevant right now. You say no preference. There have been reports that Israel has been treating. Oops. Oh, I just accidentally pushed that. I was going to say Mehdi Hassan. Mehdi Hassan was the one I was talking about. Hold on. I just accidentally closed that for some reason. Here it is. But again, since I stopped it, Mehdi Hassan is the one who kind of lost his, lost it on you know COVID or, or the uh, RFK discussion. I mean, the guy is just a complete line tower. But even when it comes to this conversation, he's still not someone to listen to, in my opinion. But here's the video. You say no preference. There have been reports that Israel has been treating wounded Syrian rebel fighters in its yeah, hospitals yeah, on the border, yeah. including fighters from Nusra Front, yeah. uh, which... Syrian rebel, right? We're talking about Al-Qaeda, ISIS, News of Run, Haider al-Sham terrorist kind of stuff. Which is, of course, the Al-Qaeda proxy in Syria. Um, do those reports worry you that Israel's helping wounded Al-Qaeda-aligned fighters? As I said before, in a different context, it's always useful also to deal with your enemies in a humane way. Ah, interesting. So the argument he makes in a second about why Hezbollah is different probably the same argument for why he would argue Hamas is different. But you see, the difference here is that you're also murdering a bunch of innocent civilians right alongside them. That doesn't show compassion or humanitarian or, you know, what's the word he just used for compassion for your civilians or your enemy. So I don't buy this for a second. This is them exposing that they worked with these groups, that they armed them, fund them, protected them, like we've proven all over the place. That's what this is. And I think that when you have people who are wounded and you can deal with them in a humane way, the considerations as to whether to take them in are not simply whether it's politically uh, useful or whether it's politically... So it's purely humanitarian, you say? So there's no tactical or political strategic... I didn't say there's no tactical. I said the main consideration, Fine. the immediate consideration Fine. is humane. But the tactical issues involved, I mean, you know better than me the phrase blowback. You don't think there's going to be blowback against Israel if you get into bed with an, a group like Nusra Front? Too late. That's the point. Too late. And he, interestingly enough, he frames it as you don't think there'll be blowback if you it, when you get if and when you get into bed with with Al Qaeda. This is how he responds. No, I don't think so. I don't. Okay, so that means that they are in bed with them, or it's he has no qualms about getting in bed with Al Qaeda. <laughs> Make sense of that with what's currently being stated. Involved. I mean, you know better than me the phrase blowback. You don't think there's going to be blowback against Israel if you get into bed with an, a group like Nusra Front? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be blowback. Why? Because I think that, the, unfortunately, the rules of the game in Syria are such that you can do anything that is not, able, is not possible to be done anywhere else. Oh, well, that's pretty revealing. Right. So you don't care about the law. Yeah, I think people said that in Afghanistan, too. Would you also treat Hezbollah fighters? No. I would <laughs> not treat... Have you not just contradicted what you told me no, 60 I'm seconds ago? No, I'm not contradicting, no. But humanely no, treating your no, enemies? No, no. 
I think as far as Hezbollah uh, uh, fight is concerned, with them we have a different uh, account. So yeah, they're your actual enemy. That's what it is. Who, by the way, is much more humane and legitimate in their actions than Al-Qaeda, right? Because they frame them as terrorists does not mean that they are. They're not. Let me be clear. He Hezbollah, I mean. You would, you, you're happy to treat Al-Qaeda fighters, we have, but not Hezbollah we fighters. Have, we have a different account with Hezbollah. A totally different account. Because Hezbollah has carried out the type of uh, actions against us which pre preclude us from going into what the Al-Qaeda has done. Al-Qaeda, to the best of my recollection, has up to now not attacked Israel. Mm. Well, that's pretty interesting, right? Why is that? <laughs> right. I mean, don't you think that they might have a little bit of issue because it attacked the your most important ally, the United States, or that's what we're told anyway? Think about that. So it doesn't matter to them. No, we don't care. Al Qaeda's great because they haven't bombed us. It really does, even though that's not really the that's a lie ultimately. The real point is what they're even admitting with a lie is that it only matters about if, if what happens to Israel, right? They can attack US all we want. The point is that's not a concern for us. It is for the US though in reverse. Every single small event that happens in Israel is the most paramount. And I think it's because of the influence of the Zionist agenda over a lot of politicians. And that's not about Jewish Jewish people, the Judaism, the Jewish religion is what I conflated there. It's not about either of those things, right? That's the interesting point is they want you to, by saying Zionism, which is a political entity, has power and influence over politics, to name that racism is just, it, it doesn't compute. That, but that's the point. People get scared away from it. That's why they say anti-Zionism is anti. It's not true. That's why I show you Orthodox Jews around the world that will tell you blatantly it's not true. But that's how they scare people away from being honest about what's really going on. And the Zionist entity does not care about Israel. Netanyahu's on the record more than once saying, we can make the U.S. do whatever we want. I've shown you them on this show. And yet people like Biden just happily walk along with that. It's, it's, it's just absolutely mind-blowing to me. But so here he is, very clearly telling you that we will support Al-Qaeda because they're at least not our enemy. When, interestingly, if your enemy, your ally was attacked, shouldn't that by default make them your enemy? Again, very clearly clear what he's saying. But the Hezbollah bad guy. Now, the point is, in my opinion, what we can prove is that they have worked with, created, armed, funded, supported this group, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Haidar al-Sham, Hamas. And so at this point, they help them when necessary, in the case of Al-Qaeda, I should say. But Hezbollah, it's not the same because they're actual enemies. But again, that makes more sense to me that now, because Hamas has changed, that now they're seen that way. Sam Husseini points out an interesting point to finish, two things. First of all, Jackson Inkle says, if Netanyahu believed, oh, for, Netanyahu, first of all, says, men, uh, men, women, children, babies were abducted by satanic people. Well, Jackson Inkle points out a great point. If Netanyahu believes abducting civilians is satanic, how does he justify his decision to murder thousands of Gazan civilians in response? Think about that. If abducting them is satanic, then what is killing them without question? But then this person adds a more important point. Or I shouldn't say more important, but more in, immediately valid based on the argument of abduction. Civilians being killed are far more important, but it says in April 2022, there were 4,450, which I believe it's actually over 5,000, Palestinian security prisoners, most of which are civilians, most of which are not being charged with a crime, held in Israeli prisons, including 160 children. Think about that. Incarcerated without charge, over 1,000 of them. Is it, I mean, how do you then stand there with a straight face and say abducting people is satanic and then hold 5,000 people who you abducted, 160 of them being children? 
I mean, it's just insulting to your intelligence, guys. And that's what Sam points out. Interesting argument. He says this Betselem report, and this is important, Betselem being the Israeli human rights group, which very clearly says it's a Jewish supremacy state, that it's apartheid. That's their words. That's an Israeli human rights group. But it says this report for, uh, from, from Betselem, statistics on administrative detention in the occupied territories from last month only refers to Israel holding hostages when they talk about Lebanese people. So you see, there's so much of this game being played. How is it different? Why are Palestinians considered not hostages when they're held the same way? And you can see it's, he highlights it. He goes, similarly, from the year 2000, the group seems to have a policy of referring to Israel taking Lebanese under administrative detention as hostages, but not using the term for Palestinians. I think it's ridiculous. But he says, of course, Beth Selim has been referring to the captives taken by Hamas recently as hostages. I, I think that's more of an evolving understanding, but who knows? Human beings are not bargaining chips. Release the captives now. And that, but then that should be both ways. And he's just quoting what they're saying. He says, a quote, according to international convention against the taking of hostages, the difference between legitimate arrest and hostage taking lines in, in the intent. Hostages are held under threat of harm in order to force a third party to do or abstain from doing an act as an explicit or implicit condition for the release. One problem for that, massive media ref referred to them as hostages well before Hamas made any demands. Great point. But the other point of this is, if they're IDF members, that makes them military targets. Now they're POWs. They're not hostages. You see, so there's all these word games being flown around. So we don't know. And they're now releasing the elderly women, which could be an, an accident taken by the person that robbed them and they released it. I don't know. The bottom line is we don't have all the information. So if you're acting like you know, you're a liar or you're blindly towing a line. The point is what's going on with who they've had and the information we have been shown does not line up with what Israel is saying. But either way, military targets are POWs. Innocent people taken are detained. I guess, you know, what the word, I forget word he used in between there. Detainees, captives, which are, which is, by the way, illegal because they shouldn't be taken if they're not military. But then once they have demands, what they say, we'll give them back if you do this, well, then that's a hostage. But so the point is, the point he's making overall is that Israel has hostages and has the entire time. And now Ben Netanyahu's calling, crying foul. I mean, come on, guys. It's just, we are being misled. Michael Elson, just to end on this, because it's happening to so many people who are just, and interestingly, this overlaps with the point of now the UN and the US and everybody going, well, maybe don't break international law. Maybe the Palestinians have some grievances and getting freaked out on by the Israeli government. People who simply now, who from the beginning have made that argument, have been attacked as terrorists, have lost their jobs even though now that's like what we always should have been saying. Ceasefire. Civilians matter. Michael Eisen said, I've been informed that I am being replaced as editor-in-chief of whatever this is, eLife Journal, simply for retweeting a piece from The Onion. All, that, all it did was called out the indifference to the lives of Palestinian civilians. See, you can't even make fun of the fact that people don't care about Palestinians. How is that even getting into the conversation about what I, the point is? That's how sensitive this is. And people at certain levels have been directed to get rid of anybody who cares about Palestinian life. I just, it's just that crazy. Even as they begin to walk it back at the international stage, because they know they're wrong too. They don't care. Their own history shows you that, but they see that you do. And now they're starting to see that that's a little bit too much momentum for them. 
So we might as well play the middle ground in hopes that we don't go to jail, you know, even though that never happens. But I hope that we can continue to get some pressure to save more lives because that's the first and foremost important thing we should be focusing on, stopping the murder of Gazan people or Israelis if that's still happening at some location in this conversation. I, it's, it's a one-sided affair as far as I can tell. But either way, any civilians being suffering or in suffering or being targeted should be ended right now so we can help the civilians. I mean, literally, like, I, the, my, I don't want the Palestinian people. First of all, the Palestinian people should not have to leave. And whether Israel asked them to or not is illegitimate. Israel doesn't have a right to remove them from the land. It didn't in the very first time, 1946 or 48. It didn't have the right then. It doesn't have the right now. But they're going to, so the argument of saying, let's move them out of the way so then it can do, I don't agree with that either. I want them to survive, but it's their choice if they should leave because it's their land. That's the core of the entire argument here, guys. So stand on, stand with what's right. Stand up behind what is moral and just and the law. And then very quickly realize that the side of Israel is not any of that. And it's not to fight against civilians being hurt on either side. It's to point out the illegitimacy of a Zionist controlled government that is manipulating everybody. And that, I mean, it, it's the bottom line, guys, is that we need to stand on what's right. And whether you agree with my sentiments about the Israeli government or not, what they're doing is wrong. If you can't acknowledge that at this point, then I don't think you want to see it. Thank you for being here today and continuing to fight for innocent people everywhere. If you want to support this platform, guys, as always, there's a lot of ways to do so. We need your support because, again, like I keep saying, we're trying to grow and we have a lot of big plans, but we need your support to do so because entirely donation-based platform. We have the donation portal on the website. If you go to donation, you can donate and hopefully you can do $1 a month and recurring so you don't have to worry about it and it will go a long way. But we have our sub stack you can subscribe to, sub subscribe star, buy me a coffee. It's all in the show notes beneath every video. And we have our autonomy course for objectivity. And it, you know, a lot of people feel it, it is a pretty, it's an expensive price for the course, but ultimately, and I didn't get to choose that by the way, but ultimately it comes along with a lot of benefits for the platform. But I love the course in general because it's, you know, it's about helping people see that it's, it's not that difficult to be objective. It just takes principle. And of course, autonomy in general for supporting the last American Vagabond. Thank you for being here, guys. I, I am always just blown away by the support of good people out there. And I believe we outnumber the bad. So keep that in mind. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Anyway, welcome to the State Department. I think we have some interns in the back. Welcome. Uh, good to see you in this uh, exercise and transparency and democracy. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was. I didn't mean to break I thought it was an exercise, of, an exercise in spin and obfuscation. All right, can you tell us my last briefing before vacation? Yeah.